Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> that was even worse than the first one. It's so hard to do. That one, I've, I've practiced that for yeah, ages. Just, uh, just figuring uh, out. Secrets. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh. No, it doesn't work. It's great. <laughs> yes. AKA the film that broke Christopher Columbus. It did, didn't it? It was like, yes. no, nope, n- done. That film was long. Imagine what would have happened if the entire series had been made by him. It would have been absolutely unintelligible. It would have been batshit. I don't know how the <laughs> hell he'd have, he'd, he'd have attempted to do like the Half-Blood Prince. It would have been the weirdest thing. Well, the real strength of his films is, um, I mean, it's what critics say as well, is just like, partially, the attention to source material is so faithful. Yes. But they is. can afford to be because the books are shorter. Yes, exactly. I mean, the fact that I think um, Chamber of Secrets is the longest Harry Potter film, and the fact that it is when it's like the second shortest book, I think says a lot about the state that they are able to bring book to page. So sorry, yeah, exactly. book to film at book to film at that time. Yeah. In the in the creation of series. Mm. But to be fair, for for a fair few books that like obviously the longest book is All of the Phoenix, and yet there are not weirdly not that many things that the that the film leaves out apart from like fairly boring stuff. Uh, well, Maybe. yeah. When you say boring, you mean just more like not film mundane stuff. stuff, stuff that you yeah, wouldn't want to yeah. put in a film. I mean, the only thing that like the Order of Phoenix film actually misses out, where I'm like, oh, that would have been nice, is like the Saint Mungo's bit with Neville's mm. parents, but, yeah. but they still get they still get the theme and Forenza, yeah. But they still get That's the kind themes of it for me, really. They get the themes of the Saint Mungo's yeah. thing in any way with the chat yeah. that Neville has with Harry yeah, yeah. Uh, in the room of requirement. But, but you're yeah, right, the, uh, the Chamber of Secrets and Philosopher's Stone are much closer to the books. For the most yeah. part, yeah, there yeah. Are I, few, I, there are a few things left. There are quite a few things left out. But there's the stuff like with uh, nearly headless Nick in this one that's left out. Yeah, that's but, the main alteration. Otherwise, it's very fake. Yeah, but again, it's not like an old. It's it, it, you know, it's not an alteration. It's just an omission, which is fine. That's probably the way to do it. Yeah, it's the same thing with spew in the Goblet of Fire. Where I mean, imagine if that, that had been film, there, like. Yeah, that's would, the kind of thing it would like go in a Harry Potter TV show, wouldn't it? But it would not go in a. So it yeah, work. they will it's do not that. Necessary. Like in, in the next fifty years, they're going to reboot. They're going to reboot it. They just will. They will. Yeah, they'll it's do a series. In- inevitability. It'll be a Netflix series. Once, uh, once people have or BBC about series long enough that people yeah. want to go back to it. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now the the funny the weirdest thing about watching Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets back to back is something you don't well I didn't notice when when you first watched them when you're like they're, they're like a year apart is that how much the the voices are breaking already yeah 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 <laughs> and how well, they had to rush so quickly or like half the film like each scene would be like between a lower voice and a high voice especially Ron I think hilarious. that the how um... his voice goes. Yeah, 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 but like when he's scared. But I mean, for the most part, yeah. um, see, Radcliffe, I'm pretty sure his voice is, you know, basically. It has, it has broken, yeah. It's basically at Radcliffe now. Yeah, um, no, same with really Emma, I think same with Emma Watson, you know. Do you think? She sounds. Yeah, she no, sounds, she sounds old, about the same. It's crazy because I think they only started filming this like three months after the first one. It was like straight yeah. into it. Um, but they were always working like a, like half a year behind in terms of their age. And then by the time the Prisoner of Asco band came out, they were like a full year behind, essentially. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, because oh. they take a they take a year's break after this. 
Yeah, exactly. Man. Which 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 makes sense. Yeah, it's, exactly, it's it? funny. But even though the voice, yeah. But to be fair, it, it's still as a film, it still feels like it has the very same sort of tone and same sort of level of like you know seriousness and stuff as the first film. So it doesn't. Oh uh, yeah, I think it never it's feels a, out of place. I think um, in strange comparison, uh, I think this does the the classic good thing to do with a sequel where once you know the world and you know the characters it it takes everything into deeper and darker places a bit like empire strikes back or yeah you know guardians of the galaxy 2 you know <laughs> like mm. um like yeah. where um so for example it's like right you know hogwarts and it's a nice place but you know there's a terrifying chamber underneath it good luck um yeah, exactly. there's also giant spiders in the forest uh yeah you know Diagon Alley's really nice but there's also a bit where all the heroin addicts hang out uh <laughs> well it's the know. right it's the right um attitude to take with the sequel because it's still got the uh, that sort of optimistic uh, edge to it. Like, you know no one pretty much no one's harmed in the film and it's still pretty child friendly but they do go into darker subject material in this one like you yeah say, you know like hermione's petrified as well you know mm. like i, mean, I know but that's, that's, die, that's the point that's but... what i mean like they, they, they that's how they that's how they make seriousness without it being not child friendly precisely which no, is you know, no the right way to do it. I mean, the bit in the chamber, like where Harry's basically saying to Ginny, like, "You guys get out of here. I'm I wasn't quick enough. That's it. I'm dead." Yeah, it's not it's not really played for that for that kind of tone, though. To be fair, no, it's, I it's think just, they basically yeah, it's, it's like still, the sort of uh, you go, Harry. It's not, it's you, not me, yeah. not Hermione. It's that, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's that um, weird child her- heroism sort of child thing. chivalry. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. that if. Um, it does take the film into kind of darker territory, uh, but it's still child friendly. <laughs> I love I how the sword of Godric Gryffindor is smaller when you're a child. What? Because it's, it's cause oh, the sword well, is like so huge. he can carry it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like he's a tiny person. But is like, it not like the same? Sword. Is it not the same prop? Because I'm pretty sure it looks. It exactly can't be because it never holds it in the seventh film. It's like a giant sword. It's like a full size sword. It, it should look like a really small thing it does make sense that it would change size depending on how strong <laughs> you are like, so I imagine if not you're think about it yeah exactly imagine like um being like a really skinny small... like imagine if Ginny picked Although up those griffindor has the dagger, shittest sword in the whole world yeah, yeah it's just like a switchblade <laughs> yeah in the magical universe yeah yes yeah, she's like oh, i'm gonna slit the throats of these cockerels yeah <laughs> oh. oh i see yes very good yeah. it's a chicken isn't it it's a chicken, it's a, under, it's a chicken a egg co- under a waterfall or whatever What's that? What I'm saying. What are you basilisk. saying? Oh, you make basilisk chicken. by like uh, roosting a chicken under a thing. Oh, yeah, it's a weird it? thing. It's, but, really um, thing. it's a thing that like definitely should happen more than like once. In the yeah, but, but the, the like, cry it's really of fucking a, easy to make a basilisk. The cry of a cockerel kills it. Just add water. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, so that's why well, she that has bring, to kill why the, the fuck chicken. Bring in a cockerel. There's a deleted scene where Hagrid has got these dead chickens. No, 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 that's not a deleted scene. It's in the film. Is it? Yeah, he when he when he uh, walks into Dumbledore's office to, to complain oh. that it's not him, he's holding an upside down like. Well, I thought it was a turkey, but yeah, you're right. It must ah, be right. okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So why is it dead? Because Ginny's killed it. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, that's because what she the blood that she paints on uh... the wall. Is um is the blood from the chicken? They could have made that clearer, I think, in the film. But fair enough. Um, it's that's like wider reading thing, though. It's I, like I well done so. for reading the books, <laughs> which yeah, happens a lot in the Harry Potter films. That's just, I yeah, cannot that's imagine a seriously tricky line to, to to tread yeah. though, because oh, you can't have it yeah. both ways. No, you, you either you either have to yeah read the books yeah, or yeah. not, and that's where things problems start coming up in uh, 
like the last two films, to be fair. Yeah. But we won't talk about that now. I think it's nice how this film basically takes sort of every element of world building from the first one and just sort of adds a new thing that it introduces yeah, in a very it just, similar it goes way. So different like layer, instead of extra nine and three quarters, they do flu powder as like the thing that the Weasley show Harry how to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like uh Diagon Alley is now Nocturn Alley, which is just Diagon Alley, but Diagonally. people diagonally, yeah. <laughs> Some people really complain about that scene because he's because in the book it's like he's meant to stutter. I don't know. Oh. I quite like it. I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I don't care. It's, it's sort of I think he, he coughs on the powder, I think, in the in the book, which makes yeah. more sense. But I, I, it's just a random <laughs> not... thing. I've seen loads of people whinge about that as an adaptation of the book. It's one of the weirdest things. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to talk about it now, but it's like the thing in Goblet of Fire, isn't it? Where everyone goes, yeah. oh, Dumbledore said oh, that calmly. Yeah, but it only, yeah, it only takes up three seconds of screen time but okay. we won't go there now we'll go but, um oh, and, the, oh and, and the car is like they use the, the the flying car instead of the flying bike and and every, it's like every element of philosopher's stone is tested but with something you know new the music's yeah. the same this music has the same effect it's and just we, like they take they like how gilderoy lockhart's theme is like harry i think we said this in the last time it's harry yeah, Potter's theme but, but it was a really a great point way. i mean what you said last week I, I will bring it up this week for anyone who yeah. didn't watch the first episode which is you said it's quite clever how lockhart's theme is a kind of bumbling variation on harry's theme in exactly. all, and it's, it's kind of another layer because lockhart is definitely as you said last week used in this film in order mm. to represent um to represent what Harry could become if yeah. he falls fame for fame and what fame can do to you. Exactly. The difference is with Harry though, is he actually does the things that people say about him. You know, well, exactly. He but that, makes but his that's own the point. It's to show properly. him that just because you're famous doesn't mean you know you should use it to your advantage. Because yeah, you, as, you've as got to mind, earn. You've got to earn that respect, haven't you? Yeah, hundred yeah, exactly. percent. As those are kids who like you know when you go to school with them, they're, they're tipped off to be in a football team, like a professional mm. team. And then they just go around thinking they can do whatever they want, and then they get into drugs, and then they don't play in the team. Yeah, you know, it's like, like every every pretty much every defense against the dark arts teacher has a has a reason why Dumbledore's hired them, mostly at least. Yeah, yeah. it works in terms of what he's trying to teach Harry, hmm. which is which is which is pretty clever. And it's yeah, funny he's... how uh, technically Lockhart is like the second best defense against the dark arts teacher Harry's ever had. Uh, third. Well, who's second? Moody. Yeah, but Moody's a Death Eater. Doesn't matter. He's teaching. I guess like, so. he, He's the one who encourages Harry to be an aura and everything. Like, true, if you want to talk about deep cover, it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, like the fact um, he's so nice to Neville after he's like tortured Neville's parents. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, Harry, Harry as a character in this one is sort of, he's still, you know, sort of obedient, but he's a little bit more sort of sarcastic and confident-ish yeah you i i it's a think good, yeah i think the radcliffe's the, performance the first film and him is, it is markably he's markably more um yeah he's a really good midpoint between yeah. those two places you're right um but uh radcliffe's performance in this film is, is markably uh i think, I think all i think the main three all for me i think this ron is the gets the biggest improvement as a performance do you reckon, oh he's he's brilliant um, in this film they're still, they're all still a little bit shaky at times, but they are, they are, yeah, like you say, they are noticeably better than the first film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I remember um, saying this as well. Like from memory, this is for me in the top three Radcliffe performances. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably. I mean, I think, I think his performance pretty much just gets better as they go. Yeah, I think, I think Order of the Phoenix um, is a particular high point for him, though. Yeah, definitely. That that might be his best one, or um, Hallows Part One. Yeah, I mean, but they're two films where he has to really hold the whole thing together by being depressed. True. 
yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's cool. true. And again, it's but is you know, there's very few sort of like mo- most of the big thing with child acting going wrong is usually like the child misunderstanding the tone of the line they're saying. Yeah, exactly. So they're not sure like where to put emphasis on. But basically, that just sort of happens less than it did in the Philosopher's Stone, which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, but we did cover last week. I mean, is, they are all good in Philosopher's Stone. The child mm. acting is decent. Uh, oh, I also yeah. think that for the most part, uh, Tom Felton's brilliant in this film. He seems so much older in some scenes than in others. You can there's the scene uh, where they take the yeah. apologies potion. In that one scene, it's the only scene in the film where I don't think Tom Felton's brilliant. I think he's brilliant. Uh, what I'm saying, yeah, I don't is, think I, he's a noticeable amount better than he is in the Philosopher's Stone. But he was obviously already in the quite uh, a good actor. Yeah, like only in the common time. room. It's only when they're in the Slytherin common room that he yeah. seems all of a sudden like they shot that ages before. He looks yeah. so much younger, and oh, his performance that, isn't as good as like is. Saint Potter. Yeah, oh, but I didn't know you could read his, his read. best moment of this film. It's incredible. It's one that, of his best ever moments. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's an improvised line for anyone. Who yeah, so great. Yeah. Percy Weasley. However, Bonnie Wright is a bit strange. Still, she's a, she, she's sort of um, she's she's she works early on, you know, because she's obviously meant to be much younger. But yeah, and kids are awkward and weird. But the thing is, Ginny is this uh, movie's mystery. Every Harry Potter film has more or less has a mystery, and this one is Ginny. And because last episode's one episode, I keep calling it episode. They are episodes basically. Um, yeah. the <laughs> yeah. whole Quirrell and Snape thing. And the thing yeah. is, Ginny Ginny's thing weirdly. It feels it feels kind of off to the side a lot of the time. Like it's it's drawn attention to it a lot in the first film, the mystery. Well, whereas in this I one, mean, it's a lot more sort of at the very end you realize what it was, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, right. Yeah, the thing I with mean, the books to be fair. As well, when you see reaction shots and where they place the reaction shots with her, they do yeah, a lot that's of her kind of stuff, it. and it's kind of like that's about it to actually hint at the fact it's actually her. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I mean, this but film, again, you, this, I that's think the problem. You is, can't give a child actor. Too much subtle acting because they can't they can't, can't get more than one layer deep. They're either acting no, which is guilty which is why Rupert, Rupert Grint is quite consistent across the whole series because he's as a child actor, consistent, yeah, because he, he has to, he just has to be over the top a lot, you know, just like true, yeah, maybe. But I, I still wouldn't. It's it's not easy being funny as an actor, especially oh yeah, especially as a kid actor. He's, because he's there's really so funny. much about your delivery that that's important in he's very related timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but what you say about the main mystery? So, I actually think this is the Harry Potter film that is the most amount of a mystery film. It leads because, into it more, yeah. Well, because um, they spend literally the whole. Once you know what the answer to the mystery is, there is, and this is probably my only real criticism of the film. Uh, spend an awful lot of time just following up all the leads that they have. So, like, lit- literally half over half the movie is like the apologies potion scene. Once you yeah. know that Malfoy, that's the main scene. You're like, well, I know Malfoy definitely isn't the heir of Slytherin because I've seen this before. So this scene just feels completely um, ridiculous. Pointless. Yeah, well, it does seem like they've spent yeah like a huge build up to an anticlimax, which narratively makes a fair bit of sense. But as a viewing experience, yeah, it does make it feel a little bit. I think of... that stuff's probably more important for the way that it is important in terms the of the whole series. Malfoy. Yes, and we need to be given that time with with Malfoy in that sense. Uh, so how they perceive him here and how it's totally different to who Malfoy is in Half-Blood Prince, for example, when he's actually asked to do something. True, but all the points up to that point are to make Malfoy seem sort of pathetic, which he, I mean, he still is in Half-Blood Prince, but it's obviously a lot more, it's more dangerous for him. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a really sad form of pathetic, really. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's um, tragic. But, you know, it still works. But And again, yeah, but <laughs> even though I agree the mystery's leaned into a bit more, 
I, I hate whinging about this, but it is funny how the basilisk kills no one. But the thing, you know, it's for, it's is still in the kids' era. Oh, the basilisk is still still awesome. It yeah, the next awesome. the next it's one's when we get into the teen how all era. Of like, like eight people who see it happen to be looking through something else. It's a There's a bit of suspension disbelief. That it's fun. Kind of it's fun. It is. It is fun. But that, that's what I mean. It is. It's a dangerous subtext, but it's still kind of juvenile in its. You know, in the way it turns out. But it's enough yeah. so that even you know, it's enough so that as an adult, you can still see the danger in it. And to be fair, this that's still the same that with what, what happened with with Quirrell. It's still very creepy when you think about it. Even though, as a kid, he's not, he's just sort of a bumbling idiot. It's using yeah. a serious subtext with the face of something not that scary. Yeah. So, um, essentially, I tell you what, I want to do. Can we work through kind of the film chronologically and talk That's about it like that? Do, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, let's just go Dursley's. Go. Dursley's fantastic Japanese this golfer is... joke. What? Oh, okay. So this is Boris to hate him. He's also a racist. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, this is my favourite start to a Harry Potter film. The first uh, twenty minutes of this is definitely my favourite start to a Potter film because I think it. I think it's Vernon's best. I think stuff, the Dobby really. scene is. The, I mean, Dobby CG as well is superb. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's really yeah. the CG Especially in the whole film is really year stood as, up. Um, Two Towers. Yeah, yeah. With Golem turning up. But you know, this is this wasn't mocap. This was just fully uh, just computer animated. Yeah, they're, they're animating it um, on so a tennis ball. So they're both ball. pioneering two very different types of, you know... Of yeah, there was, there was only like one point in the whole film because I was properly looking out for it where I thought, oh, Daniel Radcliffe isn't looking in the right place. So that's oh, yeah, quite that good. a bit in the first film with the snitch. Yeah, yeah. As well. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hardly a problem. You wouldn't notice it very much. Yeah, no, I was no, going to say, the only, other, the only other like fully... Like big fully CG characters there were before this was Jar Jar, which is obviously one that people used to complain about a lot. Yeah. His movement and looks a bit wrong, whereas Dobby's done like, his Super physicality. And his, it's mostly his animation because you know he looks well, a bit dodgy CG wise, but the animation is amazingly done. The way that he, because um, he has to interact with the objects in the room on the desk and yeah. the uh, the cup and like the cupboard and, he's and so stuff. Expressive. I don't yeah. get how they did it. Like you know when he's um, the opening the drawers and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how have you done that? No, I don't know. Actually, it's a good point. Actually, it's, yeah, it's really well done. Even now, I'm like, wow. So yeah, no, Dobby's really well done, and uh, good comparison to Jar Jar Binks because Dobby is basically, with what they wanted to do with a character, a successful version of Jar Jar Binks in terms of popular fandom. Mm. Partially, I guess, the difference to Jar Jar Binks is that Dobby is, I think, only in like three or four scenes. He's not used. Also, all the Dobby time. is treated as a parasite, unlike Jar Jar, who's somehow treated like a normal person. Yeah, exactly. Dobby is at all times being. An absolute dickhead. Yeah, yeah, he's just and he's just sometimes like when you're in a great scene with Qui Gon talking to someone, and it's like, oh, great, you. Oh, great, Jar Jar's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdly, I actually think, and I could be wrong when we get to the rewatch of the seventh one. I think the CG for Dobby in Chamber of Secrets looks better than it does in Hallows Part One. Oh, okay, but to be fair, it might because obviously he looks a lot more sort of filthy and disgusting in this one, and it, yeah, yeah. it shows the detail a lot better. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they in this one. with the rag and stuff. He's great. Um, Toby Jones did a great job. Um, yeah, amazing. I think he covered it. Like Dobby's just great, really lovable character. The fact that you can, because obviously Dobby's in the books a lot more, but mm. the fact that the strength of this character had was obviously so big that the fact that they didn't have to bring him back until number seven 
yeah. when they do, the whole um, of like everyone who saw it was exploded in, was in tears yeah. over a character <laughs> who they'd only seen in one film six films ago in yeah. four scenes. And then like, that's how good scenes, a job they exactly. did. We don't have to even talk about how good he was because no. the fact that he's in two scenes in a later film and people cried over him. Yeah. So it, that's got to be. They know about, they executed him well. That they executed him well here. <laughs> in both, yeah. Hey, um, well played. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't even mean. I didn't even mean it like that. That's <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's kind of Dobby covered. That's not. There you yeah. go. And the yeah, those is a whole. They're just brilliant. Good Dobby. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously Dobby will show up in Pete's show as well. Thing is that they drop on. Oh, and when no, we get to the ninth hole. <laughs> 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 Mrs. Mason, you can get them on the Lego video game. That's the attention to detail what? in those games is superb. Yeah, yeah. The Masons. Yeah, no, the Lego video games oh, go so far. You can get you can get Rita Skeeter as yeah, and, well, that's you, fair and enough. You, no, no, but you can turn her into a beetle. So the people who oh, made classic. the games, yeah, yeah. people who made the Harry Potter games. I mean, I, I'm gonna say it now. Oh, yeah, but that's always been a thing. They include like peeves and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, because they, the they really things. care. They yeah. really care. It's fantastic. Anyway, aside from talking about Lego Harry Potter, so um, yeah, and obviously the whole bit is so classic, where he's like, um, "I'll be in my room making no noise and pretending I don't exist." Well, that's <laughs> what I mean. He's more sort of sarcastic in it. But but he's didn't you? More, yeah. Yeah, but didn't you weirdly feel bad for um, Vernon when when he was getting? Ah, I'm sorry. It's my nephew. It's my nephew. He's disturbed. <laughs> no, not really, because he deserves it. Does he? Yeah, absolutely. What he do does. Does I he just, deserve it? I don't he know. I these films. I felt like, yeah, I know, but I felt like I was watching. You like... just love Richard Griffiths, and you don't want any harm to come to it. So when <laughs> you see him sad, you're like, oh my god, Richard Griffiths. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I, I was watching. Give you a hug. Like the setup to a con movie, like when they were talking about the um everything that they were gonna do when the Masons came around, I felt like I was watching Danny Ocean, Brad Pitt, like all just discussing how it was all gonna come together, and I just felt like the whole con. Yeah. I just saw it. <laughs> You know, go completely fucked up. They lock the kid in uh, understairs cupboard and don't give him. Any hey, food. they gave him Dudley's second bedroom. Yeah. from the goodness of their hearts. I'll agree. Yeah, I cannot every, every express to our listeners. Yeah, no, no, no. it's yeah. and um, I think again, I'll shout this out. Uh, and I've been watching all this with my girlfriend, so if I mention her, I just get over it. Okay, so this um, is the most quotable Harry Potter film. It's so full of so many meme moments, like. And so many lines, which I just say every day. It's unbelievable how every scene in this film, like every line of dialogue is just treasure to me <laughs> in this film. Um, and this, yeah, the whole start. And you, you know when he um, puts bars on his window and how he keeps saying, yo, it's freaky friends yeah. of yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel how he calls them freaky friends twice. It's, and the bit where he yeah. um, goes, the, it's very the bit cartoonish where, still. Oh yeah, it's, it's so roll doll, so roll doll. What he's yeah. doing with the um, those uh, the exactly. The but I think that's kind of what has the that makes it the effect of it doesn't almost feel real as a threat. Which yeah, maybe but in later films the the, the Dursleys seem a lot more evil, weirdly, in like an actual you know down to earth sort of way. Yeah, well, they they make it's Dudley played for it's played for laughs a lot in the, in the fifth one. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I think one, to some extent, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're still always used in a role dial aspect, though, throughout the whole thing, and I think we'll keep saying that um, more or less. Yeah, which we'll definitely talk about next next week when we do Azkaban, because um, mm. you know, Aunt Marge being even played by 
Pantheris, Trunchbull. He, he played Trunchbull, and yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely that's <laughs> definitely part of it. It's kind of the casting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, true. so the the bit that had me in fits of tears of laughter is when he goes, Petunia, the prisoner's escaping. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and and the little details are like, gotta go. You know, all the little um yeah, yeah. the little locks on Harry's door. Yeah, yeah. Like when when he's trying to get to Harry really quickly. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> like it ah, oh, it's amazing. Every time it's, oh, I, it's... I hate to I hate to uh, piss in your parade, but I think he says Petunia, he's escaping. Still good. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but I genuinely think I used to think it was prisoner as well. So we can we can we can pretend it's that. Yeah, but he's it's escaping. It's it's still hilarious. It's, yeah, like, so, it's yeah, good. great I mean, scene. The addition of the flying car is very good. It's the flying car is really it looks cool. Looks like a single light, which makes you think it's well, hybrid. Well, whenever we, car. yeah, exactly. And whenever they do the, um, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about the. Like, it's kind of a fake out, isn't it? And then um, yeah, exactly. When you've got. Uh, magic in these films whenever they have a you've always got to have in the first 20 minutes a moment where harry basically goes i love magic you know which he yeah. actually does a little bit fire like a oh yay magic <laughs> and that's definitely what the flying car is um definitely you know it, it's nice and then then you go to the burrow so we go just, basically, this is just the scene where we talk about arthur weasley Who's one of my absolute favorite? One characters. of the best in the in the in the whole, in the whole series. series. Yeah, no, yeah. he's absolutely just well, tremendously. Funny. Again, um, uh, it's like the Seamus thing where Arthur Weasley is a very realistic character. He's very mm. realistic. He's your mate's dad. Like, and you've all exactly. everyone's kind of got that mate's dad relationship with one of your mate's dads. Yeah. Like the one where... who doesn't know what rubber duck is. Oh yeah. yes, that was very wrong of you boys. Yeah, very wrong. That's such a a dad thing to do. No, yeah. there's oh, so much cool. excellent yeah. um, storytelling for their families, sort of relationship in that whole scene. Mm. It's done so well. Even with um, Percy. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, Fred and George are actually very not, are not very much in in this film. So it's kind of um, it's, kind of, it's kind of bizarre because I feel like a lot of the sort of things that people know Fred and George for actually don't I think don't turn up until later films. Doesn't come uh, Fred and George are really come into their own as until of when they give about. Harry Harry the Marauders map. That is their well, first all... actual proper scene where it's like we're mischief makers. Here we are. Well, it's also where they both start doing the thing where they're like completing each other's sentences and talking yeah, and at speaking time. at the same time. And yeah, like, feet off the table. Feet off. The... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, exactly. So uh, put them together. Never. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Exactly. But I mean, um, we'll get to talking about them in a few weeks. But but you see a some... bit of uh, what's his face. Percy in this one. Do you see Percy in the first one? I can't remember. I know you do in Platinum Night. Yeah, loads. Quarters. Percy's in the no, first three quite a yeah, bit. No, I'm stupid. And then he comes back in number five. So Completely four, ignore me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that... Lucius um, Malfoy. Let's talk about Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, yeah but first I just wanted to say to? Uh, Fred and George. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I just couldn't stop noticing how little they're in the first two movies. Well, it's what, like this is what I was just saying. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, so um, actually, no, yeah. it's probably Lockhart's next, isn't it? No, no, it's Lucius. But we can talk about um, the burrow. I mean, the set design there is fantastic. Like all of the mm. different things happening, the clock is just great. I don't know. Yeah, and the knitting uh, and stuff. You don't. It's weird. Again, you don't see much, you, don't, you don't see that much of the burrow in it, but there's enough of it to make it look. Really cool. You see a lot more in um, Goblet and uh, Order, uh, not Order of the Phoenix. Which well, you only see Half you Lord only Prince. see it for one scene in Goblet, but mainly Half Blood Prince is the Burrow movie. You know, Half Blood Prince yeah. and uh, Deathly Alice Part One. Oh, true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spend quite a bit of time there. Um, mm. 
So yeah, great set. And uh, this film introduces a lot of great sets that will be used in all the films. Um, mm. So you, you've got the first use of the potions classroom. No, that's not true. It is true. No, the Philosopher's Stone. No, 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 it's not the same potions classroom. It's not the uh, iconic potions classroom. Are you sure about that? Yeah, it's the same. The Philosopher's Stone, it's just a big... It's the same room that they use for Quirrell as the Defense Against Dark Arts room. It's just a big square space. Who we're not sponsored by. Um, but yeah, yeah no. so... Yeah, they use the potions room in this for the first time. Uh, obviously, Wait, sorry, which which scene are we talking about? I'm just saying about the sets in these in this film. Yeah, There's yeah, so many new the, sets. When's there, when's, when is there a potions class in Chamber of Secrets? When he goes, you were seen by nine muggles. Nine! No, I'm pretty sure that's just Snape's office. It's the potions classroom. No, it's the same it's one. Not... It's, it's the same one that's in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Wait, and and Order sure. of the Phoenix, Def- yes, definitely. Oh, okay, uh, fair enough. Hundred percent. So yeah. there's that. There's the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom, yeah, which yeah. is amazing. Also the office, which I love. Over the course of the films, you actually see its um its design in two, three, four, and five, and how it, how mm. it's changed and how it, yeah, it always reflects the, the character. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. Um, I guess we'll talk about more of the sets later. But yeah, yeah it's um, really, no, it is a very clever bit of set. Should, should we talk about Lucius, who, apart from Voldemort, I think is the best uh, villain in the Potter franchise. Because <laughs> he's, so, he's so pathetic and he just represents such a racist. Well, in this it's... one, he's seen as more scary. To be yeah, fair. yeah, no, he's, he, he's, he is a villain first... in this film. Well, isn't it because he's the first tangible villain in the universe not sort of someone who's like you know obviously just maliciously you know evil as a person he's just someone he is actually a human being like you say you know he's an allegory for lots of you know real real life villains like you know yeah racist and upper class and and yeah incredibly rich guy who looks down and people people. who don't treat their children very well (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. but the children yeah he's kind of like an abusive father whose kid really looks up to him yeah so yeah. He's the reason why Draco is as bad as he is. Yeah, no, exactly. it's very good to see him and uh, and Arthur Weasley oh, uh, up against. We have other, a the very different, different idea. Of... <laughs> yeah, is it? Is not that I'm whinging about uh, adapt- adaptations of the books, but I would almost have liked to have seen um, Jason Isaacs and what's his face having a wrestle, <laughs> having a punch up. <laughs> it would have been like great. To... The books. Yeah, been yeah. I mean, it would have made no sense. It would, it would have, have been in, too but... wacky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should, if, if they'd got if Wes Anderson had made it, that's what. That was <laughs> I'd love to happened. see that. Yeah, I'd love to see. It. Were we <laughs> saying last week we want to do a Filch spin-off? You know, I think. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, that'd be great. I've got some more spin-off ideas, by the way. I've I've come up with two, but it's called God. I, right God, now. I miss the screaming. That's yeah, God, I miss the screaming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I feel I feel like there's loads of cool things. Like, I, okay, I really want. I, I was. I've been watching. Well, I want these. to see I, some punishment. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. That sounds dodgy. That's, I really yeah. want to. <laughs> the bonus um, track. I really want to see a, a spin-off because Robbie Coltrane is so good. Oh my goodness! I I, I actually Why are think about Robbie Coltrane now. I just think he's the second best in the film. I think behind oh, Lockhart, okay. I think I think he's I think Robbie Coltrane is an absolute ten. Well, we always Harry put him. As, we usually put him as number one for the whole he, series. He's sort he's sort of underrated. No, he's not underrated. But it's crazy. Hagrid. It's no, crazy. But everyone loves Hagrid, so. He's but by the fact, by the time you're at episode six, I was going to call it episode episode six, seven, and eight, he's in one scene per film, basically. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, he's not in a humongous amount of, like, say, Goblet of Fire as well. Oh no, he is. 
He's in loads of the film. Loads of it. Okay. He's I just not so. he's just not well, the main focus. But he is always there. It's a bit like Snape, yeah. I guess, so like Snape. But again, they phase him out rarely the older the they get because he's the you know He's, he's the entry he's, point. He's, exactly. And he's sort of he's like a child himself, so it works better for him to be the one they talk to. In yeah. that sense. By the time you hear yeah, the Half Blood Prince, Harry is basically more mature than Hagrid. Yeah. In every scene. So. It's true, true actually, yeah. <laughs> They so kind it makes of hit... sense that they phase him out a little bit because it just wouldn't work as a dynamic for the would, tone wouldn't... of the films as well. Yeah, and the characters, it would feel completely off. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. Um, so, let, should we talk about um, uh, Lockhart, played by okay. someone almost as unpopular as J.K. Rowling at the moment? <laughs> Why is that? Because he just makes directs loads of just, weird. Because he just made Artemis foul. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. like. I think, I mean, God, I haven't checked IMDb in a couple of days, but it's been pretty... I'm going to I haven't, I haven't seen a single... Now. It's one of those films where when you see a video about it on YouTube, it's always got a thumbnail of like someone well, killing themselves. Or the casting something. of him as... Um... Lockhart is sort of clever, even though it was an accident. Sorry, yeah, I just saw a, um, a still of Artemis Fowl, and there's a character in it who looks exactly like Hagrid. Yeah, well, oh, is it the guy who's like... Is it the guy played by uh, uh, Josh Gad? Yeah, I think that is. Yeah, him. yeah, that, yeah. That's no, crazy. Seen... Have they not been sued for that? It's like the same costume. <laughs> Just ignore it. Holy poo! Literally, don't delve into it. I know nothing about Artemis Fowl, and so I literally have no interest in watching the film. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, such I, a rabbit hole. They're not even good books. I. T- Ooh, well, okay. I the weird trust... thing is, is that yeah. like Bran is always respected as an actor because he's a great actor. Yeah, uh, you know he's staying behind Dunkirk. for the French. He's great in yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a murder on the Express is a really good priority, oh, yeah. but he he just makes such weird decisions over what he's going to direct. Like Thor, yeah, because he does Thor, doesn't he? He, he does Thor. He and does. That's I mean, widely regarded as one of the weirder elements of the MCU. Yeah, I mean, and then doing. I mean, he's making Death on the Nile now oh, okay. um, as the follow up to uh, Murder on the Express. So he's got a Praro series going. And don't get me wrong. Murder on Orient Express, I've seen it three times. It's a good film. <laughs> like, um, it's just it's a very weird. poppy film, though, to be fair. So yeah, it's, it's like... the weird thing is, he does make poppy movies. It's and hard it's to like... form a serious actor, even though he's a sort of a theatre actor. So he sort of well, is. And he's regarded as, like, one of the greatest Shakespeare actors of all time. Yeah. But then when he make, But the films he makes are all pop movies. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. He made Jack Ryan? Yeah. Seriously, that's yeah. the least brandish thing I can think of. Yeah, well, what is going that's, on? Well, that's supposed to be like a gritty spy thriller thing with violence and guns and shit. Like, <laughs> let me just—I'm going to shout out for him now. Like, he's great at adapting books generally, apart from obviously Artemis Fowl. Well, thing. yeah, good, clearly, but, but yeah, like, and like plays. Not. I mean, Henry V is like you know one of the best Shakespeare films ever, and it's not easy to make a good Shakespeare movie. Does he direct um, it? Yeah, yeah, it's just, right, it's okay. um, he was nominated for best director, I think, for that. Uh, it's <laughs> oh a big God. deal. He's great in it, um, and like I actually think, uh, unpopular opinion, his version of Frankenstein is pretty superb with De Niro. Ah, De Niro wow. playing Frankenstein. So he's a directing Monster. schizophrenic, is what we're saying. He's just a nutcase, and yeah. I mean the thing is, the fact that he's such basically a nutcase, he's incapable of saying no. To a well, project. he's so far. He's he's a guy who seems to be both very quiet in the media. But you can't help but look at him and think, yeah, he's definitely smuggling up his own ass. Yeah, he's like got, it's he's got really a humongous weird. footprint that nobody noticed on yeah. the industry. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, he was married to uh, Emma Thompson as well from 1989 to 1995. Oh, Trelawney. 
Yeah. Oh, that's classic. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so for people who don't know, it's um, I'm right in saying it was they had Hugh Grant lined up, but he it's either he declined or he did he couldn't do it on the day on something else. It was on oh. the day that he couldn't make it. I hear, and then really? so they got Kenneth they got Kenneth Branagh in super which, last minute, which makes it even more impressive. It's I genius. Mean, my dad literally cause, cause, because him. Lockhart is is a fake. He's like the discount celebrity. So it's genius, almost by accident, that yeah. he's played by not the you know the uh, the actual finished artifact. What a guy who is a sort of a failed. He's great. He's sort of a failed celebrity. He's sort of a failed celebrity. So Kenneth Branagh is basically playing a fraud because he's playing what somebody someone else was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he's... maybe Kenneth Branagh actually just, just took Hugh Grant and did a memory charm on him. Imagine. Yeah, see? Yeah. Maybe that's why Hugh, Hugh Grant vanished uh, from film like two years after this. For a good life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what was he working on in 2002? Uh, I think it's Bridget Jones. Notting Hill. Uh, 99. I think it's Bridget oh, Jones. Shit, Let me look. Okay. Uh, Hugh Grant. I thought Bridget Jones was, was. Oh, no, no. no. For no. listeners of this podcast, I think that Hugh Grant is one of the greatest British actors ever. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, he's like Richard Curtis's best friend. And... Yeah. Oh, it might have been about a boy. Oh, okay. Which is I've quite good. That. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a good film. Oh, and Sense and Sensibility. Oh, cool. Sorry, oh. uh, he's a really great actor. Yeah, but but Kenneth Branagh, though, you know. Oh, he wasn't making that. <laughs> sorry, I, I got confused. Yeah, it was magical um, me. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kenneth Branagh in this film is an absolute ten. I mean, uh, so my dad who teaches Kenneth Branagh like all the time, and uh, not the guy, but he teaches it at school, etc. Because he always thinks it's a great example of like um, the best Shakespeare actor, basically. Yeah. Uh, but even him, who's like the biggest Kenneth Branagh fan in the world, mm. said to me the other day, he actually thinks this is probably Branagh's second best film performance after Henry V. That's kind I of mean, weird. That says a, that's weird. I mean, that says a lot as well, like, in a kid's film. Well, he's got a surprisingly, you know, large amount to work with, weirdly. Yeah, well, he does. <laughs> it's a great character, the whole fact he's a fraud, and but he's, he's larger than life, isn't he? Um, yeah. And again, so quotable. Um, oh, and it's hilarious. Celebrity is as celebrity does. He's a he's a tragic character the whole way through. But the thing I mm. always love is how um, they don't the, fire him. Yeah, well, the teachers <laughs> like McGonagall and Snape. They all like, basically condemn condemn him to death at the end. Well, I feel say, like oh, yeah, they no, you all... go to the chamber. Yeah, you you obviously you're obviously great at this. Yeah, but don't yeah exactly like that. Yeah, and, they just know he's gonna die. <laughs> and like, um, they also obviously know that he's must be a fraud. Oh, they must know. Yeah. Like you know, in the dueling club. Oh yeah, Snape hates him so much. Oh, that scene is quality. <laughs> you just got both of those actors just chewing the scenery. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> great idea, Professor Snape, to show him that. But <laughs> yeah, and his costume is great. Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact that like it's a wig. So even that's like a fake. Oh, you know, like at the, end, at the end where he's packing up his wig, it's on his oh, desk, yeah, and he yeah. put he, and while Harry's talking to him, he puts it into his um, yeah, into his trunk. Weirdly, it reminds me of Hugh Grant's character in Paddington too. Yeah, you're definitely. <laughs> I mean, Hugh Grant is also perfect casting for this character. I think he would have done as well. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, they've, they've both been equally as good. But you can't yeah. you can't knock Branagh's. Brilliant. No, no, no there's another one. brilliant thing about that whole it. scene which we didn't talk about is that something that doesn't come up in the other in the other films is that when they use flu powder um in this film it makes that all it make, when they do it all the wheezies end up looking like really sooty and sort of dirty and horrible 
Oh, well, that's makes cool. it, obviously makes a good contrast with when they're talking to the Malfoys. They're all sort of look too yeah. clean and Aryan, basically. Um, oh yeah, good point. They are Aryan. And that's probably on purpose. That's got to oh, be. Oh, I mean, almost certainly because their their whole thing is about the master race in the magical yeah, world. Exactly. And so it makes a really nice contrast between the Weasleys and them. But it's weird how that in, in the future it could be that maybe just the, that the Weasleys have like a discount fireplace that makes too much soot or something. But like whenever people use flu powder afterwards, it's all a very sort of clean thing. Like when they use it in the ministry and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wish they kept they kept it like that. But it, but again, it could be just that the Weasleys because they make a big deal about the fact that they're poor. Yeah, yeah. It could be it's that just yeah. So it's a clever little they have detail to use for how, they, how they've just done that. Yeah, yeah. It's a really yeah. clever thing. To do. Oh, talking about like really. Um, this is a, a okay. So. You can also divulge in a second why parts of this film feel very Star Wars. Because I remember saying to you, these <laughs> first. Uh, it's the John Williams effect, but these first two movies feel the yeah. most Star Wars. It feels like um, all the best elements of the prequels. <laughs> I don't know why. Honestly, no, the, the music in. So, right, yeah, the music, the, the, the unique music in uh, Chamber of Secrets, the ones that aren't like sort of similar ones to the Philosopher's Stone, feel like half of it is uh, like Home Alone soundtrack stuff, and half of it is like prequel soundtrack stuff and you can even i don't think i don't think he did the music for home alone but i think that's just an effect of chris columbus um but yeah i did not mention in the last the last episode about the uh musical cue maybe i'll summarize it again in the uh yeah in the quidditch scene that was all all the bits where they're like down in like the rapids um with like with yeah harry and malfoy the um yeah, what do you call it? Yeah, the music. The music is almost identical to the uh, to the droid scene in. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, Attack of the Clones. I, it's I really funny. You, it's kind of weird because I, as a it's kid, terrifying. I always thought this feels really Jewel of the Fates for some reason. I didn't yeah. know why. Like it felt like there was a duel going off between them two. Maybe it's so weird. I mean, I haven't I really. I haven't actually got a problem with it because no. again, John Williams. It sounds. Is, it works so well. His most famous, the most famous criticism that people level of John Williams is the fact that the Harry Potter theme. Sounds too much like the uh, Schindler's List thing, yeah, yeah. But you know that's the thing. If you use it creatively, and if it fits the scene, if the music serves the scene well, and it, admittedly we've watched this film, these films, you know, just a stupid amount of times. I would never have noticed this if it weren't for the fact that I've watched it, you know, like thirty odd times before this. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to level that that as a complaint at, at John Williams. To be fair, mm-hmm. it does feel weird though watching it now and hearing it because we can't unhear it. A but very, I, don't, I don't um, think it's a problem. So a very kind of cool, like Star Warsy thing is uh, Lucius Malfoy's wand, like oh, having stuff. it in the cane and stuff. It's so this is like a lightsaber thing. Saving up for it. Saving up for it. What you can buy? It's like ninety five quid. In oh in yeah. Are you actually going to buy it? Well, I'm. I've already got my. I'm, I'm staring at my wand collection now. So <laughs> I'd um, love it. I'm it's so cool. Waiting for the day I can get the stuff. But I mean, yeah. the whole that whole thing with the um the the snake on his on his kind of staff um is very much uh, telling us as an audience like about how he treats the Death Eater thing as a um as a yeah as a crown. A, well, as a, a crown as and as a class idea as well. For him, it's very much about that, uh, and it's very much about pride. Yeah, but it's um, also great that it's fake because then in uh, in Hallows Part One, Voldemort yeah, snaps yeah. that thing off because it's not it wasn't even part of the wand in the first place. It's yeah, exactly. He made and stuck onto it to make him look impressive. And he and Voldemort when he does that, it's the ultimate kind of penis shame, isn't it? With the well, <laughs> but he's also saying, yes, I was going to say demotion, but yeah, sure. But, but he's also that. saying like you know everything that you think you are, you're not. You don't yeah, deserve exactly. this. 
And it's uh, Lucius has got the reason he's such a great character from where he goes in Chamber of Secrets to running away from the battle at the end of Deathly Hallows Part Two. He has yeah, got exactly. one of the best character arcs in. Well, it's anything. the first honest thing he does. Yeah, <laughs> at the end, <laughs> where he's like, "Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I fine. Mean, I'm a coward. Shot, sod it. I run away." Yeah, in um, every scene he he ever does. I don't know. I just I love him. I just think <laughs> where did amazing. that point go? <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of walk out something over. Yeah, I, I think tell. Jason Isaacs is so good in this. If you see him in other films, he's very, very yeah. different. He's a really good character actor. I'd recommend yeah. watching um, Death of Stalin for another top level oh. uh, Jason Isaacs performance. He's hilarious in it. Mano Iannucci, what a legend. Yeah, yeah it's a great film. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. I don't yeah know, and, and it's useful just... to have him because it gives some context to Malfoy, especially when he starts going on about mudbloods, which is a really yes. useful thing. Although... That, again, this is not the criticism necessarily of the film, but in the books, that was all explained by Ron, which I think was nice, because Ron is the one out of the three who's meant to know the most about the magical world. But whatever. It's a lovely scene, especially with Hagrid. And the weird... oh, Does the slugs th- thing happen in the book? I wonder. I actually can't remember. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't remember. That was all. Apparently, it, just, it feels so like a very the... film thing to do. Oh, it, it's a very Chris Columbus moment. Uh, yeah, but exactly. the um, <laughs> the bit where he's throwing up the slugs, apparently like the slugs that Reaper Grimp was growing up were actually like sweets and they tasted really good so, <laughs> so his acting's quality that he's like looking so Boo, disgusting it's not good and they acting. do i don't know if they do a good thing with um if they did it with the makeup or with the coloring of the film afterwards uh like ron's face looks so yeah. pale like when he's throwing up or you know he goes it's disgusting but yeah so like yeah. you know the mudblood thing being basically a racial slur um, yeah. But a bit where Hagrid's like, I, I had a tear in my eye where he's like, don't you think on it for one second, yeah. Hermione. I was just like punching the air being like, you legend. Did I so you... nice. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the uh, the film The Candyman, the horror film? No. Um, about... Oh, okay. So um, the the main like bad guy in that is like someone who has like bees like coming out of his mouth. What? Um, and they actually got real bees for the actor and they like smeared like honey on the inside of his mouth or like oh. sugar or something. And he like he now the guy who did it the actor uh, holds the world record for the most number of bees in a mouth at one time. Was he it's okay? like a hundred? It's like a hundred and something. Be- yeah, so he 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 managed to secure a deal with the studio so that he would get paid a thousand pounds for every time he got stung on the inside of the mouth. And I think oh, he wow. made like fourteen grand out of that plus his usual actor's fees. Fair play, isn't it? Would you do Is that? He... Would you would you take a thousand pounds to be stung in the mouth by a bee? Mm, I don't know if I, I would. I'd take more than that. Would you? Yeah, I'd charge three grand. Yeah, okay, that's well. Still, that's not that's not that much more. I mean, if you get after like the fifth sting, you're kind of like there's not much worse it can get. I don't know. Three grand's a lot of money for me at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's quite. I could buy food with that. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that. Um... No, no, that whole scene is it's it's very again it's 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 very serious, but it still feels very. You know, very nice, very innocent. It's beautiful. In it way really it is gorgeous. Uh, it's not really until later that the actual implications of that come up. In the seventh, it's not really until the seventh film that that actually comes up, isn't it? Yeah, the two thousand and Nimbus two thousand ones are so cool. I love the bit where <laughs> they the little face off. No, that's sick. Nimbus really two thousand looks so much better. I don't know why people do you think? No, two thousand and ones look really like really sick. Yeah, they're really bad. It's a shame the film didn't come out in two thousand one. That would have been funnier. Yeah, true. But never um, mind. <laughs> never mind. The um, I feel sorry for Adrian Pusey, who's the seeker in the first film, because obviously he yeah. he would have had to have been bought out from the team. But who are they bribing? Are they bribing Snape or Marcus Flint or 
Who? Uh, Marcus Flint's T for No, it's Lucius. It? Lucius is. Um, yeah, who's he? Who's Snape, he bribing probably. with? Snape, Do you think? Probably, yeah, because Snape's the yeah the head of Slytherin, and Snape likes Lucius more or less. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing we'll touch on. That's why about. Snape. Snape, Snape is Malfoy. still a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, um, and the, the bit where um, like uh, Oliver Wood and Marcus Flint are having their little standoff, it, it's an absolute fan wank moment. It's like, yeah, it's, Oliver Wood. Very weird. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's probably strange. Oh, you really, I really miss Oliver Wood after these films. Yeah. He, he's such a great thing in the first two movies. I love how in the only Quidditch scenes we see of him show him getting knocked off his broom by something. Yeah, it's a joke. I feel like he's it? actually not a very good quidditch It's like player. a running gag. Well, he's obviously yeah. a good strategist, isn't he? He's like the Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps dying. <laughs> yeah. You killed Wood. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, oh, there's a thing I didn't say about, about Dobby. I forgot about. I was just saying I remembered. Um, about how this film takes like things from the Philosopher's Stone and sort of make, changes it around. In that, You know how like almost all of the like main plot exposition of the Philosopher's Stone is basically Hagrid telling them something followed by, oh, I should not have said that. Yeah, um, it's like in this film. Oh, it's like bad Dobby! Of, it's Dobby just saying, telling him something, and then go. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, yeah. bad himself Dobby. Up. It's like yeah. it's that same device, it's, but with a new person. It's great. It's like it's both films funny. have to cover for themselves in terms of exposition. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh no, I did exposition. Right, we need a I'm character who, who's stupid enough that he'll say and then get really annoyed with that about it. Yeah, so that everyone doesn't focus on the fact that the exposition has been handed to them on a plate. Yeah, exactly on a plate. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a clever way of doing it. Exposition's yeah. no, no, fine if you cover it in a good way. Um, However, the best bit of exposition in this film is on. the diary scene. Oh, which is an absolute ten is one of the best scenes of the franchise. It's, um, it's beautiful, yeah, with all the yeah the muted color palette. But with yeah, the, and you know, something hair. that I noticed recently, um, which is the fact that the uh, the candle light stays on his face as he walks around. Um, so they've managed to light Daniel Radcliffe differently to everyone else. Interesting, incredible. Yeah, well, obviously, they've graded that is, it, it's, it differently as it's, well. Yeah, so yeah, the grading, yeah. all of the grading and color in that scenes is seriously an absolute feat of filmmaking. It's mm. re, it's one of the most impressive parts of that film, and the whole yeah, diary feels is awesome. It's, it's probably that's probably the the most serious the film gets in terms of its actual tone. Yeah, well, I, know sub, I know the subject matter really... remains quite dark, but the actual feel of it, it feels like. You know, like an element from you know the Half Blood Prince, even. Yeah, it feels like well, he's uh, like, riddled like that age. It feels like he stepped into that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, one of the memories. Good point. So, uh, that's yeah, really, fantastic. Really nicely done. There's, I don't have that much. Hagrid. Yeah, <laughs> that's quality. Uh, and Hagrid in that scene is played actually by Martin Bayfield, who oh, plays but obviously here, the who voice is still Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, 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 it's just cool. Yeah, it's yeah. nice that they let him do fully the whole scene, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aragog um, never hurt no one. <laughs> what do you think of Moaning Myrtle? I think she, her performance is superb. She's a weird character, obviously, but she's good. I mean, I think her, Shirley a, Henderson. What's the actor? What's the, oh, yeah. Shirley Henderson, who is the, um, the, the, the fellatio brick from Love and Monsters yes, and Doctor oh, Who. I really wish you'd uh, stop mentioning that. But she's also, obviously, um, <laughs> she's in British Jones Diary and she's some stuff. Um, oh, yeah, she, she is. Yeah, yeah, she's oh, in quite fuck, a lot of things. I forgot about that. She's, um, she's actually think... semi-normal in that as well. Yeah, well, they use basically her creepy, weird, high voice really well in this. Yeah, it's really Because, you know, when, when she made um, Harry Potter, she was in her 30s. What? And she's, yeah, and she's paying, playing someone who's like 16, which is in what? her 30s. Yeah, it's, cre- it's incredible. Shut up. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, great God, hair and so, makeup, isn't so it? so horrible. But it's quality. Like, her performance <laughs> is brilliant. Which kind of makes it creepier in Goblet <laughs> oh, of Fire, which is like, sidling really up to creepy. it. creepy. But um, the... 
I have no I have no complaints about Moaning Myrtle. I don't no, know no, why no, I'm no, ha- why I'm randomly defending her. She's great. No, no, and they, they use her really I well in Goblet of Fire. Like there's as well. no way of us. I wanted to bring her up, but I haven't. There's no real like discussion to be had about her. No, so she's just really it. she's just really good, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, she gives a really cool performance. I oh, think okay. um, the two performances that I really need to give a shout out to are Crab and Goyle when they play Harry and Ron. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. F- superb. It's the and most say, yeah, it, no, it's impressive for for the for two. The, Very impressive. Much to do. Like um you know when uh who's the smaller bigger one who went to prison? Is that Goyle or Crab? What? I think that's Crab, isn't it? Well the the, the round one is Crab and the tall one is Goyle. Yeah, so the, so Crab um Ends when up he's in prison. when he's going hair Oh, that, yeah. That some, his, his facial expressions are so good at looking exactly like Ron. Well, you just, um, well, again, you've just got to move your mouth to the side of your face and you're done. Ah, it appears we have lost our other guest. I shall now perform for you a flute solo to pass the time. He's back. Sorry about that. Um, yes. Okay, so um, technical difficulties. We're fine. Yes. Uh, so Quidditch. Quidditch. He's done really well in this film. It looks great. Basically, it's sort of again, again. That's another thing. They sort of do the sort of same thing from Philosopher's Stone, but with a slightly different angle. In that, it's not a the broom's been jinxed. It's that the blood has been jinxed. Yeah. And he has to catch the snitch in a weird way because of it. Hmm. And it's nice, you know, it's nice. Oh, I love it when I he like breaks it. his arm and Lockhart comes over and he's like, no, not you. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah, I like that at the end of it is, is the bit that for me is the most good because, yeah, it's really horrible. Yeah, yeah. And it's a nice bit of, again, very sort of kiddie-ish sort of prosthetics playing around with it. But it's a clever way of doing it. It's really cool when his hand goes um, floppy. It's so cool. Yeah, exactly. I think that the Quidditch <laughs> looks better in this film. I, I, I basically well, and the Basilisk they... as well. I think all the CGI in this film is so for some reason, reason ten times better. So the reason I think the Quidditch looks better is partly because they um they actually, they don't it's not as long. It's a lot more sparing, but also they they sort of do more shots where they blend the CG into the live action stuff. Yeah. Whereas what we mentioned last time is that there's a lot of like full shots, which is just sort of showing something pretty, and then if you sort of look closer, you can see that people look really inhuman because the whole thing was CG. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, to be fair, in the first film, they had to lean into the the Quidditch more so people understood what was going True. on. Whereas this one, it was more like yeah. you didn't really see any of the build up. You're just sort of in the Quidditch match, and then you get to the main thing with the yeah. And you know when know, um, Malfoy falls off his broom, that's sick. Yeah, that that bit's very obviously CG. Obviously, oh, it looks, but... I think it looks great. So, like, um, no, it does look good. It looks like it's it's, absolutely I mean, punishing. It's... You know, <laughs> it looks like it really. Well, that's uh... true. Um, but it definitely cracked his coccyx. Um, Malfoy loves pretending that his arms hurt. This film, next film, I know he's big know. on it. It's just, yeah, it's gonna be a real hit with Panty Parker. Yeah, remember that when he's when he's lying on the floor, covered in blood, in half a prince, he's just whinging about his arms. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's yeah. up then? Um... <laughs> Maybe the reason he, he didn't want to hug yeah. Voldemort was because his arm hurt. You know, well, wow. thinking I've been been battling a bit this old arm. You know, <laughs> damn. Yeah, I know. I feel like does Harry does Harry's arm just like heal in one day? Yeah, he heals overnight. Cause it's bit, That's kind of weird. It's gotta grow, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah. what yeah. did you expect? Pumpkin? No, 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 you're no, in no, for no. a rough night, Potter. 
Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, speaking really. of which, you've, Sounds like you've got damn, you've got uh, even more, lo- loads more. Like in terms of deepening the layers, you've got Madame Pumphrey in this film, and you've got uh, Professor Sprout as well. Madame Pumphrey was in the first one, wasn't she? No, nah, she's not. You sure? Well, she's in the background. I don't know if she's the same character though. I don't know if she's the same actress as in the the first film. She is in the background when Harry wakes up. I think you see her with yeah. So so fine. Madame Pumphrey's in it, but she's given time in this. She's given. Whereas Sprout isn't in Sprout isn't in any film apart from this one and the last one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Obviously played by Miriam Margoyles. She's got like the craziest name ever. Uh, But that's that (laughs) scene. Uh, So again, new sets. We get the greenhouse. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, which is come, that's and they use that again in um in uh, Half Life Prince, and it's 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 great. That seems fantastic. Uh, again, shout out to Seamus Finnegan yeah, for having so many great lines. No, ma'am, he's fainted. Oh. And love if you will, Mister Finnegan. That whole bit's brilliant. I'm seriously shocked by the amount. I'm sit that... back. This is obviously a segment where you just talk about. Shit he is in. So he is in down. these films so much. He has easily he's as he has easily as much that he's doing up to this point as Neville. So yeah, probably yeah, he's he's a big deal. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to talk about him again. The Mandrakes look fantastic. Are they puppets? Are they? Are they like animatronics? Yeah, 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 yeah they look amazing, like top-notch yeah, look, animatronics. Yeah. Incredible. Also, speaking about animatronics, uh, Aragog obviously looks great, and so does um, yeah, I just, yeah, the Basilisk. But this is a big film yes, for like yeah. making the creatures and stuff. Like it's a big deal. Like now, Aragog looks. He he looks a bit um, sort of subdued a little bit. Obviously, if you compare to uh, whatever the name of the snake is, it not snake. What we're talking about the spider in a Return of the King. The year after oh, this. she loves. It's obviously it's, full. She loves. CG. She loves the best spider. Though. It's a little bit, but it make it that that's a little bit more like Aragog isn't really scary. In this film, he's more sort of menacing. he's quite menacing, yeah, but yeah. it's more that the smaller spiders are the ones that are scary. Yeah, yeah. Did so, so you? Are you? Did you um, find the spiders scary? Because I know you don't like spiders. I'm, I'm not that bad with spiders, to be fair. I mean, spiders are they're scarier than snakes, certainly. Um, like, but I don't know. It's more. Yeah, it's more. It, again, like if I saw like a giant spider the size of a car. I probably wouldn't be that it's weirdly not as scary as a spider that I potentially can't see. I think because the problem with spiders <laughs> is it's the idea of them going in your mouth and stuff like that. It's really nasty. Oh, I don't mind as well, as well. If I swallow it, it's fine. I'm safe. Really? <laughs> yeah, eating. Yeah. Well, because we eat them in our sleep, don't we? Probably. Yeah, apparently we're meant. We, we, we ate a year. We're not. We're not meant to. No, but, but we do. <laughs> well, they crawl inside our mouths because they're fucking idiots. You're perverts. That's not actually proven. It's just sort of yeah statistic likely. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, no, no, I mean those scenes are those scenes are cool. Again, it's going into the dark forest like in the first film, except it's not to look for a unicorn; it's to look for a spider. It's that very. It's the sort. Of, it's that same sort of setup. We need a we need a segment where we go into the forest and get scared. And it is probably and this one is probably more scary. Yeah, scared. and then rather than the restricted section, you have the apologies potion bit basically. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. uh, there is kind of true. there's kind of a formula that they built upon. Um, well, it's the Chris Columbus. They 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 kind of yeah. They need to. I mean, if, like if this said, second film was incredibly different to the first one, I don't think it would have worked. Well, I think I I think they were. It, you know, obviously the, the sort of plan, well, not not really set in stone plan, was that Chris Columbus would probably do all of them if they. Like the only contingency was that if they were actually successful. But obviously, then by the end of this film, he was knackered. Well, by like the halfway point of this film, he was knackered and he knew he couldn't do it. But I think I reckon the idea probably would have been. 
that they try and make them a little bit more formulaic and use the same scenarios in each film to, to make to make the differences in age and story feel more apparent. Yeah. Whereas obviously instead the Harry Potter franchise after this became more of a thing where you see what different directors and cinematographers and writers, not well, actually one other writer, um, can do with it. Yeah, which is brilliant. Though, which and I... ends up, I think, being the thing that makes it fantastic. I feel like if Chris Columbus, not not to have a go at Chris Columbus at all, because he does a great job with both the first two films, but um, the franchise wouldn't, I don't think, would have been as great and even as popular as it is now if yeah. he stayed on for the whole time. I think this... Even if he had the stomach for it, it just wouldn't have worked No, out. it's good that, um, because the, the films develop and the realisation of the castle, by the time you're Order of the Phoenix, uh, I mean, the geography and everything is there now. Uh, by yeah, that point. Every, it's it's great to bring in more people just to, to add more building blocks. Exactly. Like, as as is shown in Chamber of Secrets, uh, you know, um Columbus isn't particularly willing to change the nature of his own films for want of being classed as inconsistent. Whereas if you change who your director is, there's it's very it's, it's very easy to pass off those changes. Yeah, exactly audience, because which is what because this, was like cinema, for. the cinematography and everything's gonna change, you know. The look, exactly. the look of everything is going to change a bit, but you've still got the... Uh, the good thing is that Crowan yeah. still keeps on a lot of the um, principles that Columbus brought in. Yeah, exactly. So it still works. It just, bring, it just adds... It's, it's not taking... It's not, you know, instead of changing things, it's just adding things. Yeah. Um, but, I, but also, yeah, so Chamber of Secrets, from a cinematography point of view and directing in almost every single way, feels very much like The Philosopher's Stone. But with a, lo- a lot less um, of the... He's a bit more daring. Like, there's a lot less kind of static stuff. Well, there's darker. Like, this is why I said earlier. There's darker subject matter, but the uh, the sort of principal tone is still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think you know, what I'm, what I'm saying about the cinematography is, I think the way it's actually presented is a lot more movement to the shots. For example, do you think? Yeah, a lot more. Like, and you know, the bit in the chamber is so well shot. And oh, the bit. Yeah, you know, okay, the chamber true. is like one they're of like, the best they're more exceptions. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean that that sets. Tremendous. It's for just. It's one know, of the best. Fairly sets small part ever. of the film. Really. It's no. The set is tremendous. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's I mean, really I, really the well whole the whole thing with that set is incredible. From the moment that toilet opens, you make <laughs> you make a toilet opening. <laughs> the toilet really opening's cool. a bit corny. Yeah, but... it's cool. Loads of music. <laughs> it it's cool. really ceremonious. And then the tunnels yeah. and the oh, the bit where that door opens to the chamber is just gorgeous. Yeah. Like that's such good um get animatronics and stuff. With all the yeah, there's always, there's always. Oh, and Forks as well is another excellent piece of Yeah, music, exactly. Because Richard Harris thought it was a real bird. Yeah, and apparently... The, uh, I absolutely love that. The, sort, the sorting hat in this film, they, in the last film, is completely CG, but in this they um, tried to fuse it with animatronics. I mean, are you sure about that? Yeah, it's like that. Oh, okay. It looked pretty much identical in its animation to the first film. Anyway. Be in your bonnet. Yeah, it's, it's just. Uh, but again, it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, is that the last time we see the Sorting Hat before the last film? Probably is. I think. I think it, weirdly, it might be in the back of a shot in one of the Yates films. I'm trying to remember. It might be in all, like you know, like um, when Harry turns up in a Half Blood Prince. I feel like it might be in the background somewhere in the Great Hall. I could be wrong about that. Ah, oh, okay. We'll find out later. Yeah. yeah. Um, That'd be interesting if we can. It's <laughs> such spot a weird, hat. weird thing to spot. Like it's no biggie. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, no, the, the blast, the blastlist, the blastlisk, the the. the uh, I can't speak. The giant the snake. The sound design uh, yeah. in that scene. It's awesome. Uh, like you know how yes, they they, they keep going nice. between the most awesome music and then it's all like no. The, the bit where he goes down that tunnel. 
and he, and he, has, to, mm. and he has to throw the the stone. Yeah, so cool. It's a lot more. Um, it's a lot more animated than. Um, I don't mean. I don't mean CG. I mean it's a lot like more dynamic. The end, like because obviously Philosopher's Stone. I still. I mean, I, I, I people will take the piss out of Philosopher's Stone. I still think the standoff at the end is actually is good because it's tense. Yeah, yeah. It's because they, he has no they, to they go. do a good job of it. Yeah, but, and, but and when, when, one, when he touches him of, and he melts, it's awesome. Exactly. It's no less. This one's um, not. I don't think it's any more scary than the first part, but it's a lot more. It's certainly more exciting. Oh yeah, I feel like I'm watching like, like a kind of an action adventure fantasy thing. Like it feels more yeah. like a, like something that would happen in Lord of the Rings, for example. And yeah, though it, it still has that sort of cartoonish feel, like when he's sort of swinging his sword and he's standing on top of the weird the man the statue. It's really cool though. Like when we're talking um, about like climaxes it's... to Potter films, this one's definitely up there for me uh, as a, as a standoff. It's it's awesome because, as, partially as, because yeah, the, set, the set is so the cool. The set is so good. I think it's partially the set, like yeah. the snake coming out of Finn's mouth, which, by the way, I've recently just considered is like the Dark Mark, isn't it? So maybe that's where he got the idea from. Maybe it was from I mean, know, where Salazar opens his mouth and the snake comes Salazar out. Seven. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, that's, good. that's a good point, though. Also, while, um, while we're talking about that, um, I mean, this isn't really related, but just going back quickly to Lucius, I didn't really consider until uh, like five minutes ago while you were talking that Dobby um, is a slave, right? So that's again yeah. kind of bringing it back to the whole oh, Mal- I see. Malfoy's, British a, Empire. Malfoy's a racist, etc. Yes. Yeah. No, no, that's a very good point. And it's sort of, yeah, he's sort of. And uh, an element of a of a bygone era because all the other house elves have obviously been more or less freed. Yeah, doesn't Lucius work you know, at the? Best conditions. He works at the ministry as well, doesn't he? He does. Well, yeah. There you go. Member of Parliament, isn't it? I know. Um, Terrible. Yeah. It's just every reason to hate him. Yeah, I I, I like that. It's the the end is it does sometimes feel weird to me. Um, it's I, again if it, it, because because they've gone so sort of mad and serious with the big battle of the basilisk, and then afterwards it goes back to that whole philosopher's stone with a sit down. It's like, oh, oh, you have healing power. Oh, it's okay, Ginny. Everything's gonna be great. And then they're flying up. It's just like magic. that's hilarious. It all feels. It all. It, I don't know. My, my brain always feels like. Oh, okay. I, d- I did say to my girlfriend. <laughs> we're, we're back though, to this. This is my girlfriend when we were watching that. I was saying what, and they couldn't find the chamber. Like it's, it's literally like just up there. Yeah, they just fly out of a hole. Yeah, come on, like you can see the yeah. castle. Like, you can, Jesus Christ! There's no one like to go spelunking, like yeah. <laughs> spelunking. Spelunking. Yeah, no, that's that was funny. Um, yeah, and then the end. I always again as a kid, I remember loving uh, the end of Chamber of Secrets because they're all clapping Hagrid and it's really oh, and it still is. No. But I still stand by the fact that it's weird that everyone claps him because it's like, yay, you didn't kill people. Woo! No, it's more well, like happy to have him back. I think it's. I cried. I when I, I watched that the other day, I physically was I, crying. I feel bad because I used to, but I don't anymore because I find it so bizarre. Nah, it's because you're a little cynic, aren't you? I think the. I'm not. I cry. There's loads of things. Oh no, it's so cry, beautiful but... at Hagrid's home. Oh, I was so happy. It's nice. No, no, it is I, nice. no, it's such a beautiful moment, especially it's, like when he's. It's it's so wholesome. It feels gluttonous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair play. I mean, it works it's, for you. It doesn't. Just like, it works for me. Yeah. It's great. Um, it's like eating a giant wad of red I've just remembered another new character that's calling me this fudge yes I mean he's not really leaned into very much no but they just kind of because he's sort of it's more he's not really shown as the kind of bureaucratic character in um until he turns up in Thing of Wolfie he's in the next four movies isn't he and then he's not mentioned again no not really yeah well, no, because he gets yeah, he loses his job. I guess there's those elements of depth, though, isn't it? But he's a nice. It's it's no, it's it's a nice little. Do nice you little think addition. that Dumbledore knows they're under the cloak in Hagrid's hut when Hagrid gets taken yeah, away? Yeah, he does because he winks at them. Okay. 
yeah, Richard, as he says, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So Richard Harris killed it again. Just saying. <laughs> so good. Yeah, you can tell that he's a lot older. Yeah, well, no, so he, uh, he's a lot more ill. You know the the film, classic so. scene where he's like, "My cat, my my, yes. my cat's dead." August. August. He looks really old. There. He looks like he's dying. Like I, yeah, I, I said, yeah. "Wow, he looks ill." <laughs> like, um, yeah. and, then I, and then I got used to it. But do you think it was maybe short sighted to have hired him? Because I mean, maybe they didn't know that he was sick. No, I don't think he was sick when they deposited Stone. stone. You sure? I, don't I thought it was like a pre-existing condition. Well, it's, it is pretty short-sighted, isn't it? If you it's was called Ill. being fucking old. No, yeah, he had cancer. Um, that's it. I thought he just had cancer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is kind of short-sighted. I, I'm glad that you had. We had him though, like to solidify. Again, to solidify it feels okay because there's such a big tone shift. There's such a big tone shift, and uh, I can well, sorry, everything shift between three and between two and three. Yeah. That it makes it like if 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 Michael Gambon had turned up in Chamber of Secrets, that would have been problematic. Yeah, because Christ knows that would have caused all sorts. Of I problems. think yeah, I think because you changed director, that's it's pretty bigger. lucky that that they changed director and they changed you know that they made their biggest so, you know shift in tone. Yeah, exactly. At the same time as they changed their Dumbledore. So I don't know if you heard this, but um, I've heard that it was like one of his last wishes. Richard Griffiths is that no one should replace him in the role. I said I remember Richard Harris. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've heard of him. But I'm pretty sure David Heyman. Oh, good call. Like no one's bigger than everyone else. That's really rude. (laughs) You can't do that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, you're basically saying no one should ever. Basically, just saying you you can't make any Harry Potter films anymore because I'm going to be be dead. Yeah, it's a big ego, isn't it? (laughs) Um, It's a problem. Maybe in the future they'll be able to do a, a fully CG. Yeah, Richard, uh, Richard Harris. Harris. <laughs> the Richard, the Richard Harris cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I mean there are um there are deep fakes uh, online of a lot of Harry Potter scenes where they put Richard Harris's face over it. Oh really? Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, they're all over the place. Sounds terrifying. There's um you <laughs> He's got such a yeah. cult following, hasn't he, as Dumbledore? He's got a real like um, one of my friends just um stands by him and says, Nah, he's definitely better than Gambon. I think in truth I actually think every Dumbledore is equally good. I think they've all done a great job. I, well, they okay, all I represent I to... different elements of him. I think Richard yeah. Harris is perfect for the early view of Dumbledore that Harry has of for this... the child, for the child, for the way the child views. Because the thing is, I don't think Richard Harris could have pulled off the manipulator and the genuinely slightly actually bad human being, the trickster that, that we does. see in in the yeah, next exactly. View. Yeah. I, I mean, I won't go into detail. I think I still, for me, Gambon's still my favourite. But, but I think they all do But I think this is weirdly a case of doctors, isn't it? Doctor Who. I, I feel like his favourite's well, not yeah, best. I don't, I don't think it's fair or tangible to say that one well, Weirdly, it, it almost feels like they, that they should have probably had to change Dumbledore anyway, in a way. Yeah. Because, again, I can't imagine Richard Harris duelling with... Um, Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. But you can't, surely you can't imagine, I can't imagine Michael Gambon doing these two films. I can't imagine him doing the, well, the really child think, um, portrayal of Dumbledore. And there is still a darkness well, it wouldn't, there. It wouldn't be the same portrayal, but it would be, it because he still has the sort of, you know, sort of weird, charming edge to him. It's just not as, like, Gam, like so Gambon's Dumbledore isn't the sort of Dumbledore that you want to hug. No. Which, to be fair, I think is actually more like the books. Oh. Uh, Richard Harris is more of a sort of, like a big grandpa you want to cuddle, which is not really what... Not as much to me, at least, what Dumbledore feels like, but it works so much. See, it I works think... so well with Chris Columbus's vision of the film. Yeah, so well, as well, like when it, um, Richard Harris is talking to Tom Riddle, it's a really good scene. He he does feel very different. Yeah, yeah that's a great scene. He feels very different uh, to how he feels sometimes when he's talking to Harry. Yeah, and the bit where he talks, the bit where he talks to Lucius as well, 
That's very much uh, like, like we're sitting him down, basically, but in the most like uh, subliminal sit down ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, no, it's a lot more quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that seems great in uh, Dumbledore's office. Uh, oh, yeah. another new set. Dumbledore's office. Yes. No, again, a, another classic yeah, really set. Nice one. Yeah, so really, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, what did you, have you got any other thoughts? I feel like we're basically going, this film did the first film, we get, Oh, we get Je- oh, Jellicle Hermione. Jellicle Hermione. Oh, the, yeah, Kat. She was so Jellicle. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I wonder yeah. if that was Emma Watson. Oh, God. So this, this film is J.K. Rowling, it's Kenneth Branagh, and it's Cats. There's three things people are hating at the yeah. <laughs> It's astonishing. Yeah, it's, Don't watch Chamber of Secrets now. It won't be good. It won't be good for <laughs> it's you. It's really rather filthy <laughs> down there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, oh, so um, random Freudian kid theories uh, about oh, no. we have to... Yeah, right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go now. <laughs> you you keep going. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go. So I had to do a you keep, you keep going. had to do a presentation at university about. Have you actually left the room? <laughs> I heard the door. Um, about um, about like a, I don't know Freudian theory, and I thought, well, I like Chamber of Secrets, so I'll do about that. And basically. Um, Loads of crazy theories uh, by Freud that have basically been disproven about women hysteria uh, to do with um, periods and stuff. And so the idea that the Ginny is at the age where she would be entering the menstrual cycle uh, and then how the book thus depicts her going, basically being hysterical uh, with the whole out of control Chamber of thing. It's a very Victorian idea and I in no way subscribe to it that that exists or is a thing. But the, the fact that this film arguably uses these Freudian ideas. So you've also got the whole, um, what you call the anal phase. So the idea that um, like kids find it, like the, the girl toilet thing and the fact the boys are disgusted by it. And then you've got the fact that they're going down through the girl's toilet they're disgusted by into this uh, dark hole with a giant snake in it. You know, I'm just saying. What? The, what? You're still what? surprisingly sexual imagery. If you want to go there, but what are you talking is, about? The thing is, right, is that Freudian Freudian theory is literally people going like, "Oh yeah, let's just think about this film, but in a way that's dirty and see if it works." It's crazy. The guy was a messed up twat, and everyone <laughs> thinks he's profound because he's fucked up. That's it. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> no, I can't believe there's it. stuff to some of it because Did you just call the Chamber of Secrets an arsehole? You called it a sphincter. You did I heard Yeah, you. they go they go you down call, the arsehole. You, you you call They go down the arsehole the and then Secrets they fight they fight the colon. snake. They fight the snake. I mean Voldemort in many ways. What is it is that what is the basilisk a tape word? Well the Voldemort in it's a penis. In many ways, um Why is it what? Voldemort the penis doesn't doesn't come out of the This arse, film is exploring that. a lot about how Voldemort and his connection with Harry and also the parcel tongue thing has got as much <laughs> to do with Harry's the making of Harry's identity as his parents do. So in a way, Voldemort is kind of a, a dark father figure to Harry's identity. And that's mainly what, uh, basically a lot of what this film's about is exploring those dark connections between Voldemort and Harry. So when yeah, that I agree with. So when he this fucking this wait, asshole wait, shit. So when he has to when he has to kill uh, the snake, <laughs> right? Which um, which represents in some ways you know, Voldemort's control uh, that Harry has to kill. Um, it's it's very much kind of Oedipal complex about killing your father. I'm just saying. The thing is, even if nah. even if Freudian theory nah. is bullshit, because it is. because it's so. Um, Utilize like so well known by by authors. It's very good place to draw imagery from if you are writing something. So just because I'm saying this doesn't actually mean J.K. Rowling didn't use it. It's a bit like being an atheist. If you are an atheist, you still have to 
acknowledge that even if you don't agree that the Bible is true, the imagery from it is still used in literature all the time and is used well because it's good imagery and the imagery the imagery's good. I just because, think, because I the imagery to... means something and the imagery, Freudian imagery, no, but no, but possibly no, means something. But you're saying you don't think it means anything. I don't, I don't think it means that. That's fine if, you, if that's what you get from it. But I don't know. I feel like, well, the audience obviously doesn't know that the only reason you think this is because you were forced to write an essay about it. Well, do a pres- I had to do a presentation in front of the class about it. it was, yeah. It was so obviously you were going to find the most fucked up, obviously Freudian profound thing you could so to get a good mark. Oh, definitely. Now, you, definitely now, yeah. now you're poisoned with it because now you can't get it out of your head. Not when I watch this film. It's like, oh, they're going down the arsehole again. <laughs> yeah, like, Christ yeah. knows what's going to happen if you try to do this yeah. for, yeah, a goblet of fire or something. Do you live here? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely the most fraud in Harry Potter film, I don't know. Uh, I, okay, I'm saying for the record that I think that's nonsense, cool. but I think it's 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 a fun thought experience. On another so, note, I'm going to make a random shout now, and I, I think that uh, Ginny is one of okay. the most mishandled characters in the Harry Potter films, and I think she's got one, she's one of the least good performances of the main child actors, probably the least good. Who, sorry? Uh, Ginny, I'm not really a fan of her in the Potter films, apart from in... Bonnie, yeah, apart I think from in... agrees Bonnie Wright is a bit... She's alright. Yeah. She's good in Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince, and otherwise I don't care. She has, she has, she has one line in Order of the Phoenix, yeah, it's she's... Reducto, and she says it twice. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, um, she's good. I don't know, she's I good in her performances, Half-Blood Prince. She's good in she Half-Blood Prince. She is good in it, she's just not good enough to, to suit the books. I think that's the people think complaint people make but, about oh, her. Is she even that good? But that romance, that romance is not really leaned into in the films is, at all. Is it even that good in the books? It's kind of a backdrop. I think it's better. It's, I it's agree. Better, it's, it's, not, it's always a yeah, backdrop. It's hardly, it's one it's, of the it's hardly a fantastic. Yeah, it's like... I do agree that the, that the relationship is better in the books. But weirdly... Because Ginny is more of a feisty character and she's not really as sort of... Uh, suppressed as she is in the films, but that's fine, you know. Yeah, is there a because again because they had to choose Ginny for this film to do a child acting thing? Doesn't the, you know like when did so when when did the Harper Prince book come out? It was after two thousand and two, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been so. They wouldn't necessarily have known what exactly they needed to use but, Ginny but for, crazy... which means they're sort of tied into the wrong actor for the it. The crazy thing is, though, is that like um, when me and my sister used to watch this as kids, we always were like, "Yeah, they're getting together." And I do think that basically, well, only because I... in the Chamber of Secrets, they they basically say that she fancies him. Yeah, exactly. That's just sort of, it's fairly fairly boilerplate set up. Yeah. For it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kid levels, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So. Otherwise, wanted to mention that I think yeah, I think Christian Coulson's really good as Tom Riddle. It's fantastic, great villain. Yeah, I like Tom Riddle. He's yeah. The th- the th- it's funny. We'll talk about this another time later. But uh, it's funny how I always say how my my favorite two Harry Potter films are the only two that don't feature Voldemort. Yeah. Um, which I think's funny because we. I know it sounds odd, even though he's iconic. Genuinely speaking, I don't find Voldemort that interesting. Oh my and goodness! I'm really thinking about this. Cool. In, um, in Chamber of Secrets, it's more that there are lots of interesting elements of his history and his physiology and what he represents. Yeah, but as a character and the way he relates not... to Harry is marginally interesting sometimes. Well, it's, it's quite it's cool. Their connection. It's not as a character. It's just the the fact that Harry is connected to an evil thing. Yeah. Again, it's those evil elements that are interesting. It's not really the character of Tom Riddle that's. I think because Voldemort is like basically um, a 
So either showdown in the first film would have been shite if it was just a bloke in them. It's the fact that it's a guy who's stuck on the back of someone's head it's a parasite. in a mirror. It's the elements. It's, yeah, of and in this one, it's the fact that he's got a basilisk well, and he's in a diary. It's the it's difference between right. So, uh, in in okay, bear with me. In a Star oh Star Wars Harry Potter comparison, Lucius is Darth Vader, <laughs> and who's like a kind of troubled villain. Who's really interesting for that reason? Well, Voldemort is the emperor. Yeah, because he just represents uh, he represents extreme evil, extreme manipulative evil, I guess and that's so. it. I mean, Voldemort is kind of more interesting than the emperor, to be honest, um, because there's more well, because we know more interesting kind of weird dark things about him. Maybe, but again, he's, because Harry Potter as as a franchise is more dependent on societal um, comparisons, you need the main villain to be more interesting than just like you know the emperor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, 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 Star, as a name, Star Wars but, is just yeah. like a zoo of cool shit. Yeah, the, the comparison to Star Wars is probably unhelpful, it's unhelpful. in terms of what the franchises are. Yeah, I, I think Voldemort. But, um, right, I think Voldemort is a really great villain. Uh, I don't think he's like top ten. I think he's a great. I don't think he's ever. an interesting villain though. I think he's a cool. See, villain, I think he is, and he provides a lot of interesting setups for Harry. He is but... interesting. He's more interesting than you're giving on. Like the whole thing with uh, his Muggle father and the the Gaunt family, mainly in the books. He's more interesting in the books. Yeah, whenever he shows up in the films. Not all the it's time. True, but that's it's very like, rarely... oh, Voldemort's here now. That's weird. <laughs> like it always it's feels very, like a tonal yeah. jump whenever he shows it's true, up. True, but again, this it's sort of a thing where it's like it's it's backstory, and it's not really relevant. It's not made relevant to the character that much in the films. It's very. It's only really referred to um, once in Goblet of Fire, where he's standing on the bones of my Muggle father or whatever. Um, it's really cool. Um, no, but it's which the is stuff cool. of like but him it's, and it's the funny how it's that, never really the comparisons between him and Harry. He's a, he's a good villain. No, this, because, this is what I mean. Because it's, it's he's the a foil of his for Harry. Is... That makes him a good villain because he's yeah. a foil no, for Harry. No, he is a good villain. He is a good villain. But I see. I'm just saying that he his he doesn't need he doesn't need a presence for that threat to be there. Yeah. Hence, you know, you can still feel the, the threat of Voldemort in the two films where he's not there. Yeah. It's just that it's more. It's still tugging at Harry as a character because he. I mean, Harry's facing those problems almost as like worse than ever in Half Blood Prince, even though you never see the guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Chamber of Secrets, anyway, um, they're technically fighting the Horcrux, the part of the pie. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's kind of cool. Uh, the whole Horcrux thing. Like when I look at it through that lens, it it, it does still work. Like it's, it's really... no, it's and it's it's very well. You can tell that obviously J.K. will have. Um, you know, made sure that they set that up in the correct way. Yeah. In these films, and, but she wasn't. She was producer, wasn't she? Or did she just sign off on the script? I can't remember. Uh, she was very involved in the process. I know that. Yeah. I don't know what her name was. Actually, no. Try not to say that because that way we'll have to. Is it executive? Oh producer, no, she's maybe? involved. Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, let's um, talk about her. But <laughs> it's best not to. Hey, she did a great thing when she was younger. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So Hitler made some nice paintings. Let's you, go. you either see um, yourself. Uh, die a hero no, 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 or don't. live too long no, 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 and no, become no. the villain. <laughs> yes, well, there's a, there's a butchering of a quote over her. Well, it is relevant here. Um, it's kind of, yeah. Because basically her <laughs> the, view of yeah. the world is outdated. But my point is, in the most cases, they have to make Voldemort interesting by doing something really weird with him. Yeah. By either having him in a diary or not. Oh, don't get me wrong. He's not the best Harry Potter villain. He's like the third best Harry Potter villain. Oh, this, is my, this is exactly I think. I think Snape and... I mean, Umbridge is the best villain. Oh, yeah, sorry. There's, or Snape. There's three better villains than him. Oh, I think Snape, yeah. Lucius and Umbridge are all more interesting yeah. than Voldemort. Um, and, some less, and then a slightly lesser extent, Bellatrix. Yeah, but Bell- Bellatrix is very, again, like Voldemort, which is just completely evil and just kind yeah. of fun to watch. 
Bellatrix yeah. isn't actually as good as Voldemort. Uh, I think that's probably our top five. No, no, no. It's probably our top Again, five villains. The, yeah. I'd probably go Snape, <laughs> Lucius, Umbridge, Voldemort, oh, Bellatrix. Yeah. That'd be my top five villains. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Voldemort technically, I, I think I think Peter Pettigrew is a great villain as well. He's just underused in the films, but we'll get to that. Oh, uh, oh, well, he's a great villain only in the one, books. Is, is only one. There's only one film where he's not used properly. Oh yeah, and it's so sad. And it is annoying. It's it's my Other it's my that, least favorite thing in any Harry Potter. It's your film. biggest pet peeve with all. Oh, Patrick I hate films. it! That, I hate it. But the thing is, the thing is, I, I I agree it's annoying. But the funny thing, and we'll get to it later. But just for reference, now I think it's a testament to how good these films are that that is probably the worst adaptation from the books they commit. Yeah, it's the only adaptation they make where I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. There is one really There is off. one in Goblet of well, that, Fire. Again, again it's, I'm not, like, it's not adding shame. something. It's... There's a lot of bits where I'm like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, but again, in but... Goblet of Fire, it's more just things they omit. It's not things they change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas it's a change, isn't it? Good point. Fair play that's, to you. that's where the problem is. Yeah, yeah. they just didn't have to change it. But there you go. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, great film. Uh, it's a film. The, it's a great film. I tell you what, I would genuinely <laughs> really struggle to find a best scene. I think there's three scenes I'm clambering between uh i would probably say the diary scene um, oh damn four scenes he sees, that's, um, yeah that's <laughs> okay it's that no i think that's for me that's almost that's definitely the best that scene. bit the chamber um the bit where they hug hagrid yeah. at the end I, I i live for that and then that's nice and wholesome the bit it's beautiful it's literally like what it really represents the best feelings from those films and then uh, I, I think the, the vernon the scene at the start is incredible <laughs> That that would probably be your favourite scene, but like as a as a film, like you know, if you want to be, I think the most I impressive. Th- I, th- I think the chamber scene. The most creative. It's the most. I think it's the most creative decision. thing as a filmmaker that Chris Columbus did. Yeah, it's very creative. In the in this film, uh, and like I like say about the lighting yeah. and stuff, and the, the him writing in the diary is really cool. Yeah, it feel it doesn't feel like a Chris Columbus movie at that point, but which is you know, which at no other point does that happen. This film does introduce a. Um, it still feels like a children's film, th- except for that one scene. There is a thing that happens in this film that they use every year, uh, from here on, which is the um, the defense against the dark arts lesson. Like every film until Half Blood Prince. Where they then go to a potions lesson, uh, start like when they get to Hogwarts, it starts with like a really important introduction to your defense against the dark arts teacher, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we've already had that in this one because you see him in the bookstore. Oh, true. Yeah, you see him in the bookstore. Yeah. Oh, which is a classic bit. But Forrest and Blood's new scene. Uh, but then you've also got the um, the bit where again with doing the, exactly with the, with the same the thing. What they pesky did with Quirrell because yeah, but again, they did say it's, 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 they're using the same uh, thing as they did with Quirrell by um, because they show him in the uh, Leaky Cauldron in the first one. Oh uh, yeah, and both so times is, it's again, a fake out. The defense against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah, yeah, and both times it's a fake out because they're like, yeah, you exactly. pathet- you think they're pathetic. They're not they say they are, and then they are pathetic, but for different reasons. Uh, well, one's the other way around. One seems pathetic, but it turns out he's evil. One seems like he's meant to be like heroic, and he turns out to be a coward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not exactly the same, but it's. You know, it's used in narratively speaking. That's all. It's used in a very similar way. Uh, which is, you know, I'm going to say the best scene is the Chamber of Secrets showdown. It's awesome. Uh, that's fair enough. I've I mean, got some. Geek... I try not to lump that all together because that's more like a, like three scenes kind of for me. True. I like the bit where he's um, stuck in the pipe with it. Genuinely, I think that's really great, and he goes really close no, to him and he no, throws it's her good, up. It's a, good it's a really good suspense and showing off the. Um... Yeah, the, yeah, the, the animatronic, which uh, obviously the yeah. Whomping Willow as well. We didn't even discuss that. It was great. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I like the the no, fact that cool. they. Um, I know it's this is a really weird thing to say, 
we're, we're just we're just getting into geek conversations now. Um, so what do you think the rest of this has been? <laughs> true. Uh, the bit <laughs> like how the car looks exactly the same as the battered up car from before. It's just like, oh, well done, you actually managed to keep like and what they keep they they keep the the hole in the back of the car. You know, it was oh, like yeah. the hole in the window, and it's like I don't know why. I just really didn't trust That's... them to remember to do that. So don't trust filmmakers to remember pretty, that kind of stuff. It's a pretty normal bit of continuity, but okay. I really didn't expect them to actually <laughs> remember. Also, Filch in this film. Filch is in these films those more than I remember. Uh, in the first two, he is. Uh, yeah, we'll see, won't we? When we get because again, the they use they use the characters that are that make that, that feel like children's characters. Like people like Hagrid, people like Lockhart, people like Filch make it feel like a um, a children's film because the threat. Or sorry, that the things they represent are very childish things. So Filch, as like a, is you know to, sort of shown as like this villain, but really he's just a caretaker who could put you in detention. Yeah, yeah. It's like that thing where as a kid that's like scary. Whereas obviously, any time after that you're like, okay, well, who cares? Yeah. He's a pathetic <laughs> yeah. guy with a cat. Well, that's kind of sad because, uh, and it's a really good. He's a good character because the older you get, you actually realise he's quite a pathetic person. He's quite sad. It's a sad, I mean, you he's a sad, lonely squid. man. Yeah. Exactly, he's a great character. Um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, so my girlfriend had this mm-hmm. theory. She said, why is she called Mrs. Norris? Oh, Do you think it's a woman who changed into a cat and couldn't turn back? And he's in love with the cat. And I, I think that's a I, really I mean, nice I think idea. It's more, it's, it's more likely that he can't get any, so he's just calling it Mrs. Norris. Oh, uh, do you think? That's sad. Yeah. Sad. Well, you know, what, you, know what people with, you know what people with cats are like. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it would be Sorry. much harder to chase a cat than a dog. What? They're a lot quicker. Like, the only thing dogs have on cats is that they're stronger. In, like, a fight. A cat would win in a fight all, every other day, though. Because they're, that, I, they're quicker, they can I, climb you, better, they're faster. I don't know. I don't know how you lost your job as a cat salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> real show. You're really wasted on the industry. Well, I, I have my friends taking the mick out of me uh, for... Uh, you know, like in cats, you know people with cats. Oh, exactly. Yeah, pretty bad. Very jellical. Um, Very jellical, jellical, jellical. Jellical, jellical. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, as well, um, another question I have, a little geeky question, which is, what do you think of the oh. use of in the dueling club, like Rick, Rick to Semper and stuff? Like, because it's obviously meant to be a tickling charm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of weird things about the magic. And again, there's a, a really great video by a nerd writer about... Um, the sound of magic in Harry Potter films, and it is weird how you noted that Chamber of Secrets does a does a really weird thing by having a lot of um, very homogenous uh, sound effects for the uh, for the magic, like the sort of the, the whole big whooshing sound effect, yeah, thing, which is kind of bizarre because like yeah, Richter's Emperor is like yeah, like, like you say a tickling charm, where it's, it's like shoom, like big blue bolt of lightning, and it goes flying. It's cool, and it's uh, but... it, it's cool, and I can't remember what the what. It's like invert, inverte, inverte statum statum statia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just makes you invert and so go upside down. Yes, yeah, so I think I think they throw you in different ways. Is basically how they read that. Yeah, it feels a little bit um, peculiar. Yeah, I do. I do. I love. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I love how everyone always whinges about how Expelliarmus occasionally sends you flying. I think, um, but, <laughs> but it does always disarm you. It always, they always show they, they drop their wand. It always does show that they drop the wand. I think yeah, I know. It's I true, think there's basically different levels they do it in for how hard well. you can do the one. Oh yeah, and in Goblet of Fire, when they use it in the um, in on Victor Crumb. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah, does. True. He does straight away drop the one first. 
So it's definitely yeah, and, um, they have thought about it. They just have to basically. Do you, wait, do you mean do you mean Barty Crouch Junior? Uh, no, no, no. When um when Victor Crumb's in the maze, they use Expelliarmus on him. Oh really? Yeah, him and Cedric. Because I think they do it on Vic- on uh, Barty Crouch Junior when Dumbledore runs in at the end and says Expelliarmus. Oh, and but sends uh, him flying on his chair. Yeah, it sends the chair flying back. <laughs> in the, um, but his but the wand flies straight back off him. Yeah. So it's really funny. Yeah, so, so so they are very much like right. I know we did a weird thing in Chamber, but just so you know, it is yeah. disarming. And they do still talk about the fact, and I think in the script that is meant to be disarming in the, at the dueling club. Uh, the nice yeah, thing yeah. about this no, film, it, no, it is, is that you get. And it's to... good, but it, uh, the thing you were actually asking, um, I think it's nice just generally that they show more sort of magic because it, weirdly, this is thing we'll talk about in the next episode. But Chris Columbus's universe doesn't actually show a lot of magic being used in normal scenarios. Like, there's not an awful lot of magic going on, except maybe, like, sort of obvious things in the background. Oculus Repair. It's very... Magic is only, like, a purposeful thing that you see. Yeah, yeah, um, No, it's not a it's not a criticism. It's just the way he uses the universe. So it, it means a scene like that is useful. Um, and also because in the first Harry Potter film, Harry doesn't actually use any... doesn't do any wand magic, does he? Does he not? No. No, he doesn't. The first time you see Harry use a wand for actual magic is um, when he do, does Wingardium Leviosa on the cakes. <laughs> really? That's mad. Yeah, that's the first time you ever see Harry use a, yeah, use a wand for magic properly. That's cool. I know, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but it makes sense. Or, so, I, it's, you know, it's a scene. It mental how um, Peter Pettigrew is so pathetic that he let himself be turned into a cup. <laughs> he didn't really have much of a choice. <laughs> he must have been... Yeah, that's... What, what kind of a fucking lesson he is that? He must have been like, damn. How useful... That is like when you go into like you know science class and like, oh yeah we're going to find out the exact temperature at which popcorn pops as a proportion to its weight. You're like, why do we need to know this? It's like, oh yeah, we're going to turn your animals into water goblets. You know, in case you're you're in the middle of the wilderness and you need a drink. But so I shouldn't got an animal on you. I shouldn't be kissing my rat. Yeah, exactly. Like on my toes. Know. <laughs> you know. Doesn't that also mean that as soon as uh, McDonald's a cat, someone can just go Federico and she turns into a into a cup <laughs> and she's at the mercy of whatever horrible student uh, has done this? This is horrible. Imagine like um, if it, yeah. in order to drink, think about in order it to drink from the uh, thing in uh, Half Blood. Someone Prince, on Reddit make they, a meme um, about it. They like took McGonagall with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have like someone's got like a chamber room. It's just all the teachers. Uh, yeah, dumb, Dumbledore. <laughs> it's the, like that's that's what the trophy cupboard is. Yeah. Audio teachers. Oh, Audio Tesco's Dark Arts teachers. Imagine them um, as well, like, <laughs> oh, Dumbledore's like, I've always wanted to drink from you, Professor. Oh, uh, fucking sorry, hell. What the <laughs> hell? I said no more Freudian imagery. <laughs> what part of that didn't you get? The thing is, as kids, me and oh, my sister. Why, why did you do that? Until they revealed now that's that, in my head. Until they revealed that Dumbledore was gay, me and um, my sister always thought that um, McGonagall and Dumbledore were in love. Well, yeah, because they show him dancing in the Goblet of Fire. Exactly. Assume, yeah. yeah, but I think... Um, oh, you see Filch dancing with his cat as well in Goblet of Fire. Yeah, he's definitely in love with Yeah, yeah, cat. which, by the way, means that his cat, his cat is in Goblet of Fire. Because I think you were saying it's Filch's cat in the films after this one. And yeah. Well, he, okay, but she's not in it very much. Oh, calm down. She's not a main character. I don't know why you're complaining. Yeah, but like, she, she's, she's all over the place in the Columbus films. Because again, yeah. weird enchanted cat who has weird sixth sense is a very kids movie kind of... Thing. It's really cool. It's very children's fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of a fun little thing to have in. Again, feels like a Roald Dahl thing. It does. I mean, these, these... there's so much. There's so much of it. Yeah, especially it's, it's, it's especially a first two movies thing where they lean into the Roald Dahl, Ina Blyton, uh, thing that 
is a very important to her branch of fantasy because the reason that it's an important one of the reasons it's a really important piece of work is because she is actually genre bending isn't it it's not just fantasy a little it, bit yeah it's, it's, it's um, a kind of agatha christie dina blyton boarding school um famous five mystery story with wizards yeah you know yeah uh yeah and you know fang the dog instead of timmy i don't know uh <laughs> but yeah i mean well played um also, Lucius tries to kill him with Avada Kedavra. He just says it in the most weird way. Avada! Yeah, it's super, it's, it's, it's super, it feels super out of place, that. Yeah, it's really weird he's going to kill Harry. You lost yeah, me, my I servant! Mean, exactly. So now you're gonna, I'm going to murder you on, on, on Hogwarts grounds, which means I'll definitely go to prison. Yeah. What? A weird yeah. weird it feels, moment. It feels really, really strange. In the book and the film, I, mean, I, I don't really. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Feels it. Super out of place. I enjoy it. Also, I weird. I find it a bit awkward because again, the, the shot of him saying it and the way he says it is really awkward. <laughs> it's like okay, and then <laughs> it sort of ends really anticlimactically. It's like what the fuck? What was that scene? Yeah. The, what have I watched? The way that they as well. Um, was, it's so confusing. They move where the uh, Dumbledore's office is from the Transfiguration courtyard to the front courtyard. So by the sixth movie, oh. it's in the front courtyard. Oh. They changed the courtyard. I like the see. This happens a lot in uh, in all of the Harry Potter films where Hogwarts just like changes. Yeah. Um, I love the idea that it's um, it's sort of like the TARDIS. Like oh, yeah, yeah. It sort of just like sort of like moves itself around to suit the needs of whatever's going to happen. Yeah. Next. Well, I just kind of thought that there was a way in which Except the Mob Wombling Willow changes position. Hagrid's hat changes every pretty much every fucking film. And then um, as well, <laughs> uh, you've got the fact that the main hall looks different. The position of the entrance. Yeah, and the, in the main hall goes. in the first two movies, uh, there's a kind of like a walkway. Above, there's a big staircase at, at, as well at the back yeah. of it. At the back of it. That isn't there anymore in the later films, but it's very they to us in a in a very clever way. In a way, they don't do an awful lot of referencing the um, the exact positioning of rooms in the first two Harry Potter films for for lack of you know for want of not confusing people. Yeah, which means by the end by the, by the last film you do actually have a pretty good idea of where everything is, so it makes sense. And there's all of, but, all of a sudden Snape's put in a viaduct and changed what the front courtyard looks like, but it makes sense. Well, I kind of thought maybe he's doing like a. If you're a head teacher, you're able to kind of make the castle suit your needs as a head teacher. Well, that's what I mean. It changes. Well, like yeah. well, like how he takes away the the stairs to make them. Well, the castle. Boring. I mean, the castle in many ways is a character. Yeah, it's exactly. Like one of the most important. So you're meant to show how. And the games. Yeah, well, it's the only it's the only reason the games are worth playing. Well, you're not wrong. Like, because you get to run around the castle. It's the it's the immersion of it. Um, I think I've seen this. Yeah. Did I say this that? I can't remember. Like. They ordered the Phoenix yeah, and half the Prince games, for example. They're not actually good games. They're shite games. But I played... I... Everyone agrees they're shite yeah, games, yeah, yeah. but they're but... fun to run around. The oh, house. my goodness. The, in terms yeah. of actually getting immersed in, like, oh, I have to go ra- use the Marauder's Map to go around the whole castle to recruit everyone for Dumbledore's army is great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have honestly played Ordered Phoenix probably more than any other game because I just love yeah. the fact that J.K. Rowling had helped design the castle and I could see everything what it looked like. I could climb the owlery... Like yeah, it's who's, just who's awesome. the head production designer for the Harry Potter films? Sure, he stays for most of the time. No, he's yeah, he's, he's on every film. Sure, yeah, Craig. no, he's absolutely tremendous. He's a genius. Yeah, yeah, absolute king. You know, like and he continues to bring in new stuff in most of the films. Yeah, it's like they just build and build yeah. and build, and it's one of the most uh, beautiful things but, about yeah. watching Harry Potter. It's just it's seeing well, it's we'll what cinema him a lot more. Yeah, it's just yeah. what cinema can do, yeah, isn't so. it? It's like well, yeah. you just get to see them really bring something 
that it's been so beautiful. And they can get away with it a lot more broken. because you have the, the bracket of magic as the get out of jail free card. Yeah, well, because like, oh, which is easier than well, for example, you're like, right now, like, oh, yeah, well, maybe Hogwarts Castle just shifts around. Well, that's just the way I've justified it because there is a there is a pretty surprising disconnect. I mean, the, the Philosopher's Stone stands out as, as mostly as a very weird feeling of where everything is in the castle. And Chamber of Secrets sort of doesn't feel weird just because it, sort of, it has the same layout more or less as but it adds some places in you kind of have places. you have a few landmarks to be like okay so that's there yeah so that must be there a couple more points yeah exactly but um, um it does, that doesn't get kicked into full effect i don't think until later films no more or less so what do you think that's of one this of criticism so this is my only criticism of the film really uh which is <laughs> really yeah a fair few criticisms for yeah, this we've, is, this... we've, been, we've been talking about them. i it's what's the policy what do you think of just i don't know the, the pacing of the whole apologies potion bit it is just so like i'm looking at that my, is a big i am looking weird, at my watch thing. being like mm, i don't think it's everything that's happening we talked about this earlier everything we talked about this earlier it's only a problem when you watch it several times it's only a problem because you know that the event is anticlimactic whereas from a character point of view it needs to be anticlimactic because the whole thing it's like it's like the thing where they spend so much of Philosopher's Stone talking about how evil Snape is, and then at the end it's like, oh no, he wasn't evil at all. Yeah. And it is anticlimactic, but that's the point. The characters are meant to learn that lesson. But you're also meant, meant to... realise that Malfoy isn't like this antithesis of evil, he's just a pathetic kid who wants to be, you know, Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. Is this yours? Exactly. Yeah. And I... <laughs> I uh, so that makes sense to me. I agree with you, it does feel like... It is probably weirdly paced, but it's hard for me to lower that as a big criticism because... Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, it's, it, uh, tremendous. It still narratively makes sense. So it's a whatever. tremendous um, achievement to make a film, what which is? is a kids' film, and it's like ten minutes off an hour, three hours. Sorry, like it's very impressive. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, the pacing. They could have uh, cut uh, it down a bit, but I still think the pacing, at least for the first hour, is incredible. So I'm here. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Like it's a middle. It, the, it slows down a, a lot in the middle. But I think it's nice to do that because, like we said about the There's first film, there's a lot film, of sort of just walking around but, and sort of but the la- and stuff. The last film, uh, you spend all your time feeling that you never had time to breathe. Whereas Chamber of Secrets is like, yay, we get well, time to sit with the characters and experience yeah, what it's like to be at the school. That, that feels more of like a necessity than it does a, a, a you know a purposeful decision. And which feels that like they kind of had to do that, or they wouldn't have been able to make the film. Sure, properly. sure. Um, maybe not sure, but I think it's a nice element um, of the film. I'm saying yeah, I like the fact that we're given time. Okay, so best cool. best performance: Kenneth Branagh, followed by Robbie Coltrane, followed by Richard Griffiths. They're my top three. Uh, I thought Christian Colson was really good, though. I like to give him a shout out. Uh, I think it's pretty hilarious the whole the fact that Lord Voldemort is like a uh, is a um, an anagram. <laughs> I find this so funny. Um, yeah, and yeah, Tom Farmer, Assuming you... it's a bit, fl- he's a bit flimsy. That. It's a bit like I, agree. Uh, I probably, I probably agree that Kenneth Branagh is the best performance. Probably. It's marginal yeah. over. I think Robbie Coltrane could be though. Mm, eh. I wouldn't say he's second. Would you not? I'd still say that like. Not in this one, no. I, um... Richard Harris kills it in this, by the way. I think he's even better in yeah, this one. Yeah, I'd say Richard one. Harris is probably better than um, Ruby Coltrane in this one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Hagrid's, Hagrid's n- nowhere near as um, integral to the uh, to the plot because, again, Dobby takes his narrative purpose that he had in the first Oh, film. no, but Hagrid's part of the mystery, isn't he? Because it's like the whole going, not to Azkaban, you know, like because he's the one who everyone thinks is the culprit. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he does still serve a huge purpose. Although Harry and Ron know that he isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's not really a mystery because it's like a, it's like it's set up as a mystery and then ten minutes later it's solved and then the rest of the movie can go on. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like 
it's not something that you're building towards throughout the whole film. No, no. It's sort of more just like, it's like, oh, we've got to help Hagrid out as well. So, big question. Did you think this was better than or less good than Philosopher's Stone? I thought uh, it was less good. Okay, I thought it was not quite more good. I, I know you do, because you always thought that. <laughs> well, it's just because it's, I think it, it has everything the first film has, but it just, deep, I, it just deepens well, it. So it, it opens it in terms of uh, cool world building elements and you know lots of little things. But I think narratively, I don't think it brings as much to the table to make it feel more sort of grandiose than what Philosopher's Stone did. In terms it's not of more grandiose, but I think the plot's and more interesting. I find it, the uh, true, but again, this is that thing. But it it. But Philosopher's Stone is impressive for having made itself be well-paced and introduce all of those elements in a film that's shorter than The Chamber of Secrets. feels a lot more confined. Chamber of Secrets feels a lot more slow at times, I think. And again, just because it... it, it this is, you know, this is not... It's not a, necessarily even a criticism of the way they made the film, but just as a result of the fact that it is very much using that same formula of writing that the first film did because it seemed at the outset that that was how they were going to make the whole franchise. Subsequently, the existence of the other films makes that attitude seem a little bit comparatively uninteresting because, again, like I say, the way that they introduce Harry to new elements in very much the same way they do in Philosopher's Stone. They're still great elements and they're used obviously differently because they're in a different story. But it still feel it doesn't feel you know as separate as its own film compared to Philosopher's Stone. I think this is probably the only film in the f- franchise that feels it's the one film in the franchise that feels the most like another film in the franchise. Well, it feels like a, it feels like a direct sequel. Exactly, it doesn't necessarily. It feels like it was. It feels like you could watch them back to back and you'd hardly notice. Whereas the other ones, you feel like you need to have some space in between them almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to gauge the difference. That's why I don't. Think, I mean, I, I I don't think it's a big. I don't think it's a big gap between the two. Certainly. Um, so you gave Philosopher's Stone a nine or a ten? I gave it quite a high nine. Okay. Um, and I would give the Chamber of Secrets a high eight. Okay. A very high eight indeed. Oh, okay. So I gave I gave Philosopher's Stone a low nine, and I'm going to give Chamber of Secrets yeah. uh, a low to mid nine. Okay, fair enough. Excellent. That was pretty concise. Cool. Ish. That means, by the way, that we're we... now under forty five. Yeah. I love the other. This is probably going to be the longest podcast because it's the longest film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Azkaban. <sighs> yes, neither can I. It's going to be. It's going to be tremendous. Yeah. So I think, uh, in typical fashion, for uh, we should end this uh, podcast the same as the end of the film. They also set up um, in this scene. No, no, no. We're done. We're clapping. It's the end of the film. It's the scene where they set up the fact they like each other because he won't shake her hand. Oh, that's true. Yeah. First, it's the first. There you go. There's that cop under the end. Well done. This has been Out of Ten. Thank you so much for listening, and quite frankly, I'm as shocked as you are that we're still doing this. If, by some miracle, you've enjoyed this, do leave a comment, or give a suggestion for what we should talk about next. You can also find us on Twitter, at outer underscore ten, or send us an email to outer10podcast at gmail.com. See you soon.